Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page, search for Coach Bo Knows Show, and you can email us at CoachBonosShow at gmail.com. This is episode 67. And coming in with me today to review all the week 13 action in the NFL is our most popular returning contributor. Ladies, if you're in the Denver area, lay out some Titleist Pro V1 golf balls. He will magically appear. Some hot chocolate would be nice, too. He's a man of style, sophistication, and he remains undefeated against home pregnancy tests with a record of 53-0-1. The real reason Sierra moved to Denver, check out his new book, Russ May Cook, But I Can Eat. His mother named him Ricardo, but here we call him Uncle Rico, my main man, Ricardo Gerbellini. Rico, what's happening today? How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm actually doing all right. I I, I wish your Saints had done better because I had Camara and, and I really was pulling for him. Uh, but if you're going to put out hot chocolate, make sure there's some Baileys in there. Get some Bailey's up in there. Got it. You got it, my man. Oh, yeah. So you have this look like the cat that swallowed the canary because we talked before we started, and you know that I'm going to come out hard out of the gates tonight. And this is going to be the most interesting review we've done so far because I'm fucking heated right now. Oh, yeah. So, I'm sitting back. I'm, I'm going to eat my popcorn, and I'm just going to let you go. Because so I, I can tell starting yesterday, you are ready to pop. Okay. So it is now 5 to 11 Central Time on Monday night. The Monday night game ended about 30 minutes ago. As we all know, the New Orleans Saints blew a 14-point lead in the last four minutes of the game and lost to Brady and the Bucks 17-16. Now, if you are a listener to this podcast, you know that I am a huge New Orleans Saints fan. I am wearing my Saints pullover right now as we speak. And I am not, I'm angry, but I am not surprised at all that this happened. Not even a little. I'm almost at the stage tonight. So we're watching the game. It's me and my son, Peyton. You know P-Money, your godson. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there, we're watching the game. Jen comes home from tennis, finishes making dinner. We sat down at near the end of the first half, we ate dinner, and then we got up to go watch the game. At this point, the Saints got the touchdown. Brady was looking horrid, which he has looked this way all season long. Look, he's had, basically to me, he's had a good game against Dallas early in the year, and he had a good possession against the Rams. But other than that, Tom Brady's looked like a, a rag, rag-armed, 45-year-old quarterback. And he did for three and three quarters fucking uh, in this game. I'm just ridiculous. And I'm sitting there going, same thing scoring enough. They're not scoring enough. They're not scoring enough. It's 10-3 at the half. 10-3. I looked over Peyton. I said, so what do you think? He goes, I don't know. And I said, I got he says, I don't have much feel for what's going to happen here. I said, we're going to lose this game. I have zero doubt we're going to lose this game. So we start doing the math. I was like, I don't think we're going to score another touchdown. Us, we being the Saints. 
I said, okay, figured they get two field goals. That puts them at 16. What's Brady need to mm-hmm. win? He needs 17. That's two touchdowns. Let's say he gets one late in the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter, and he wins one at the end of the game. We lose this game 17-16. So. You know, there's, there's a little bit at, right at the end, with those last few seconds, as he's marching down at the end of the game, Eminem pops in my head. Now I can think of what you forgot about Brady. Because he does that. That's what he does. He can be crap for, for three and a half quarters and be garbage every week. And yep. like Mahomes in the fourth, he knows how to run a two-minute drill better than anybody. So I'm, I'm sitting there when it got to 16-3. Now, literally at halftime, I opened up my Caesar Sportsbook app, and I bet $10, only $10. On the Bucks to win the game, not not plus three and a half. I put them on the money line. I went for the odds, and it was only ten dollars. With four forty eight left in the game, at sixteen to three, I put twenty dollars on the Bucks to win the game because I knew it was over. Now the first possession. The Bucks got aided with a long um, penalty, the holding call in the end zone. The pass interference, I should say. It wasn't holding, it was pass interference. Yeah. Legitimate, absolutely legitimate penalty. No doubt about it. You cannot argue that penalty. Plain and simple. If you don't, it's a, it's a touchdown. If you, don't penalty, if you don't interfere with it, he's not. He's going to score. So I'm not even mad that this happened. Bucks come down, they score. The Saints get the ball back. And this is what the problem with the New Orleans Saints is. They are so bad on offense. This is a team that was scoreless last week and held the 49ers last week to 13 points. This defense the Saints have is fucking unbelievable. If this offense was half good, the Saints would be first place in the South. But you cannot trust Andy Dalton, the quarterback. And then you have Taysom Hill. They got to play him at quarterback at times. And it's these gimmick plays, and the offensive line isn't very good. They got fucking receivers all over the fucking field. Olave's good. Um, Troutman, the tight end's pretty good. You got Jarvis Landry back. They've got guys who can catch the fucking football. You just got to throw it to them. And this redheaded son of a bitch can't throw the football any further than my fat Aunt Melba can. I, I am angry. I cannot take how bad this New Orleans Saints offense is. And, and look, let's be honest. The last couple of years Drew Brees was there, he was a shell of who he was. And you saw the genius of Sean Payton because he didn't let Breeze get in his own way. A lot of the problems that Tom Brady's been having late last season and this season has been him getting in his own way. Mm. But the interesting thing to me is that 
this Saints offense decided they were going to play Andy Dalton at quarterback. They have Jameis Winston. He is healthy. And the only question I have to ask and I have to hear an answer to is simply this. And this is the question I would ask Dennis Allen if he was standing in front of me. And it's the only question that has to be asked. Not why is Jameis not playing. Is I need him to explain to me how that offense is better with Andy Dalton than with Jameis Winston. I don't buy it. I don't think the argument against Jameis Winston is always going to be he turns the ball over. He throws interceptions. And everyone points to the year he had the 30 interceptions. He had 30 touchdowns that year, too. I always remind everybody of that. I'll take 30 interceptions for 30 touchdowns because Andy Dalton cannot give me 30 touchdowns. He is awful. He shouldn't be a starting quarterback in this league. He shouldn't be a backup. Taysom Hill shouldn't be the starting quarterback or the backup. It should be Jameis Winston and anybody. At this point, I don't understand it. I think it is the worst coaching decision I have seen this season when it comes to personnel. The fact that a team thinks they have a competitive chance. Look, I understand if Jameis Winston was hurt, and he was the beginning of this. He did get hurt. He was bumped up for a couple weeks. But he's healthy. And they're just not playing him. And if that's coming from the general manager and the and the front office people to say, hey, we're not going to re-sign him, we're going to let him go at the end of the season, don't play him, then that needs to be said publicly. No, it, it never will be. It needs it to be. never will be. Because, you, you because that the, the sign of that is you come out and you say that and you're admitting to tanking. It, it's it's that quick, it's it's that short of a step from. There's we're not there's play nobody on God's green earth that would believe that any coach could look at the situation and go, Andy Dalton gives me a better chance to win a game. Not with that many athletes. No, that many athletes on that they're, offense. They're they're going to scrub them both. They're going to scrub them all. I think at the end of the year, I don't see. A Jameis Winston, an Andy Dalton, and potentially not even a Taysom Hill on this team next year. Plus, there's, you know, I don't know the contracts right now, but I, I just don't Hill's, see any Taysom of them providing contract. any value. Yeah, at this. yeah T- huh? Taysom Hill has a new contract. He's not going anywhere. Oh, that's right. Taysom has a new contract. I don't see Jason, J- Jameis Winston, and I don't see Andy Dalton. No, as no, I agree. Next year under and Andy. here's the other shitty thing. They're playing so bad that right now they'd have a top 10 pick. But you know what? They don't have a first-round pick in this draft. They traded because it because they traded it in the Chris Olave trade. Mm-hmm. Then they also tra- took their second second first-round pick they had this year and drafted Trevor Penning, the, the left tackle from Northern Iowa. And you know that mm-hmm. Trevor Penning's not playing now. He hasn't played. He's played two games. He played a few snaps tonight and a few snaps last week as a sixth offensive lineman. Now, he was hurt early in the season, and I know the Saints don't like his attitude. 
He's one of those guys that wants to fight on every play. But the plays that he was in, he's the only guy blocking until a fucking whistle is blown. Give me the guy that wants to fucking play football at left tackle. I would take the GM, the entire coaching staff, and all of your quarterbacks and toss them. Honestly. I would because literally... this, 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 is, this is quite literally, and, and we've seen this out of Jameis Winston. The thing is that when coached properly, he'll stay in his lane. He yes. can be a productive quarterback if he can be coached. And all I'm seeing out of the Saints, and, and there's another, they're not the only team, and, and I'm sure we're going to rant some more on, on, on coaching here today, but all I'm seeing is coaches who don't know how to do their job. Yeah. That, that at the end of the day, when you have a team with talent, and you can't win if you can't get them to bruise. And then most importantly, if you can't get them to stay in their lane and do their job, it's because you can't do your job. You don't coach know how to coach. And right a, GM, a GM right now who is looking, looking at this and having done what they've done should also be fired at the end of the year. Quite frankly, I would, wa- I would watch the entire – I would scrub them all at the end of the year, I, if not today. I, I, the GM, I, I, coaches, it, it's yeah. ridiculous. I would literally fire this entire coaching staff, the entire staff. Now, I know that they tried to, Sean Payton retires, and they tried to keep some consistency by keeping the staff and promoting Dennis out. That made sense. The problem is, is that as much as Sean uh, Sean Payton worked with Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael still wasn't the play caller. The only time he was the play caller was the year that Sean Payton was suspended. And that was the worst year this offense had until now. Um, I understand they want to keep some consistency. They want to not say that it was all Breeze and Payton and, you know, to try to say, hey, we're keeping this thing running. That is not who this team is. (laughs) <laughs> this team is a really good defensive. And Dennis Allen is a really good defensive coordinator. Look, he put this defense together. It's really good. Their D-line is yeah. good. Their DBs are playing all right. Uh, Demario Davis, I think, is playing as good as any linebacker in the league. And it hurt this week that they didn't have um, – um, Corner, uh, one of their corners is out this week. The one that dominates Mike mm-hmm. Evans. Um, and goddamn, now I guess I'm a brain. Oh, yeah. The brain is going crazy right now. So, uh, but yeah, I'm looking at this and I go, I just can't believe this. I mean, it was just so so bad. This coaching staff has done such a poor job. This general manager has done such a poor job with the salary cap by keep kicking the thing down the down the the road. Mickey Loomis does a bad job that there is nothing you can do right now to try to win next season. They have Jeff Ireland is a special assistant who works with the draft staff and drafting players. And they've done a fantastic job of drafting young players the last three or four seasons, last three years since Jeff Ireland's been there. But it's absolutely ridiculous what's going on with this franchise and this team. And as a Saints fan, I've just fucking had it. 
Um, remember, remember earlier in the year where I said I might become a free agent. <laughs> if yeah. this coaching this staff time? has it become, I'm going to say this: if this coaching staff and Andy Dalton is on this team in 2023, I'm done. I'm a free agent. I am not can, coming back to that. Always just you can just put the fandom on hold. You know, set it aside. No, wait I'm gonna be a, a full on free agent. Get something. I'm gonna be full a full on free, on free agent. I'm going to whoever has the best situation. I'm gonna go to wherever Joe Burrow is. Oh, okay, okay. I was, say, I was like, wait a second, wait a second. That don't sound right because there's a logical progression to leave the Saints and go to Burrow without question. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, we're gonna get there on Joe Burrow. We're gonna talk about Joe Burrow here in a minute because my man Joe Burrow is is. Back. He had a good week. Had a good week. He's, he's, yeah. So let's just talk. Monday night game, this pissed me off. So I'm done with the New Orleans Saints. I don't know if I'm watching the game. They're now four and nine. They have no shot at the playoffs. It's not even fun. Like to watch them the rest of this season, the next four, they have a bye week next week. But to watch the last four, you can't even root for them to lose the four to get a good draft pick because they don't have first round pick. And the thing is, even if they win out, they still have a losing record. Mm-hmm. That's that's the sad part. Yeah. And this is the thing, this is the thing. This is the this is the game. They always in the regular season, they're the ones that always have Tampa Bay's number. Like it's Tampa in the playoffs. It's the Saints in the regular season. Tom Brady has and beaten they the Saints. They, didn't, they don't look good in his entire career. Tom Brady has beaten the Saints one time until tonight. Yeah, one time. in the playoffs. Playoffs. Last year, two years ago, the playoffs. Yeah, two years ago when yeah, yeah, two years in the playoffs. When we the Super Bowl, that's the only time they've beaten us. Mm-hmm. Only time he's ever beaten the Saints. The worst beating he ever got in a game was the New Orleans Saints. Back when he was in, in, the, in New England, they lost by four. But you know what? Hey, hey, if you leave the Saints for now and go with the Bengals, can't blame you because you know what? The Bengals look good, and Joe Burrow looks good, man. Yeah. I, I can't blame you for leaving the – when you have the Saints in one hand, the Bengals in the other, you don't have anything in one hand. You got the Bengals in the other. That's what you got. You don't have anything in the Saints a, right now. Here's the thing on this Saints team. I mean, this is the last thing I'm going to say about the Saints. I know people – I'm just kind of ranting and raving. I like Kamara. I like Mark Ingram. Look, there's things I like about Taysom Hill. Just play him a tight end, but I'm fine with that. He'd be a great all-the-time tight end. I like I like to get a couple of LSU guys finally this year with, with Landry and Matthew on the defensive side. I love Tyron Matthew. I love Cam Jordan. But they can't keep all these guys. It, it no, shows how bigger. important you, you the quarterback is. You have to have a good one. You know, we have the – we used to call it the Ryan Tannehill rule, but now we call it the Dak Prescott rule. you got to be Dak Prescott or better to have a legit chance of going to a Super Bowl. And Andy Dalton is not that not that dude. He has never been that good, let's be honest. But in, but Take Jimmy Garoppolo. And you know how much that hurts to say. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, I feel bad that, for that. There's things we got to talk about with that one too. 49ers but, are better. But, but with the Saints, honestly, your biggest 
in fairness, and then this is where I, I say, yeah, we got to get rid of the coaching staff. But to me, honestly, the biggest problem is your GM. You got talent here that has been wasted. You've wasted, you've thrown away picks incorrectly. You've got a coaching staff, which is garbage. Yeah. yeah. It, this is a problem, not just in the coaching staff. The coaching staff had to get hired. So for me, there is some significance at the GM level of accountability because yeah. you have, I think at the end of the year, you as a GM of the Saints, I have to justify the personnel I have on this squad. Yeah. And it doesn't look good. And it starts with the well GM put. yourself, yourself. You look at this coaching staff and see what they've done with the talent that's on the field, and you are accountable at the end of the day. To me, this is a GM fault. The entire co- I agree with you. The entire coaching staff needs to go, but include the GM because that's a big mistake. This yeah, is a it's, problem. It's time to completely reset the franchise. Yeah, they this can't would be, be if you were on the days of, pay, of Sean Payton. Yeah. I, I don't play video games, but if I was playing Madden, I'd be like, okay, let's start over on the franchise. It's time to do away with all the Sean Payton stuff. You know he's going somewhere this offseason. We're going to get a draft pick back for him. It won't be a good enough pick, but it'll be something. And then it's time to start over at quarterback. It's time to start over at um, – just about every major position in this team. Yeah, it, it kind of, you'd have to. And I, there's a part of me, and I'm sorry, but that's, thinking of the Colts and Jeff Saturday, I'm like, can he just fire the coach right now and just get like Ryan Clark in there? I mean, it'd be funner. It'd be more interesting than what they've got right now. Huh? In fairness, I mean, they, they, you've got no chance of making the playoffs. You don't even have a chance of making it 50-50. You don't have a chance at a winning record with what's left. So... Why hold on to them now? That's my thought. All right. A couple of things I want to review from Sunday. First thing, we're going to get into this Chiefs game first. Yeah. Because, <laughs> well, I warned you people. Go ahead and say, what do you mean, you people? I mean all you motherfucking Chiefs fans. Look, I tried to warn you guys. I tried. I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. Schoolyard shit wasn't going to keep working. Someone's going to come in and find a way to take Kelsey out of a game. And the Cincinnati Bengals, they have the they have the blueprint. And their quarterback they figured it out. And their quarterback is just as good as yours. Plain and simple. There is something. There is something about the Bengals right now that they have the Chiefs number. They're like, it's basically, you know, kind of like Saints Tampa for all those years. We, I think we have ourselves a Bengals, Chiefs, yeah. and they've got that number. You know, they've it was just funny. got that number. Did you watch the game? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so I, I, I had to watch it quickly because I was it, I had a lot going on. Romo says in the game, and it was a really good point. After the first touchdown, the Bengals scored. Um, Chase gets up in re in, in Justin Reed's face. Justin Reed had the quote this week about. I don't know who these receivers are. I don't care. They're all the same to me. And that pissed a lot of these Bengals receivers off because one, two, three, they have the best receiving core in football. I mean, Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. um, you look at you look at oh, Boyd, Chase, and Higgins. One, two, three at wide receiver. There is nobody that good at wide receiver. 
out loud. Uh-uh. They're, you tell me one, two, three. Top... Uh-uh. One, two, three? One, two, three at receiver. There's nobody better than those three players. No team has three players that good. Ooh, you're going to make me search. Go ahead and rant. I'm going to search. Now, I think there is one. I know that Justin Reed, you know, and, and, and i got to give some credit to Andy Reed, who late in the week, I think it was Friday, he said, hey, hey, we ain't doing that here. We don't talk like that. You know, Justin Reed's new to the team this year, yada, yada. But I thought Romo's point of, I mean, you know, after the touchdown, Chase is doing the money thing to Justin Reed. And he gets flagged mm-hmm. for the – he gets a 15-yard penalty for it. Um, but you look at it and you go, okay, man, I don't think these two teams like each other at all. I think that the, I think the Chiefs think they're the bullies and that they're going to beat everybody. And Joe Burrow does not care. Joe Burrow is confident, and he thinks he can win any game he's in. And he has beaten Patrick Mahomes three times in a row. Now, I know that Burrow does not play against Mahomes, but we always talk about this. And it's funny because as good as Mahomes is, and I think Mahomes is the best skilled quarterback in the league. I mean, he's fucking phenomenal. I I think that it's an apt opinion to compare him to Michael Jordan. But Joe Burrow does something to them. And Joe Burrow is the difference. Joe Burrow is a top five quarterback in this league. He may be a top three quarterback in this league. And he might end up being the MVP of this league this year. Now, right now, I think I would vote for Jalen. It's a tight race. It's it's a a tight tight race. race. But I think Joe Burrow just passed Patrick Mahomes. Because the one bad game Joe Burrow had week one against the Steelers when he turned the ball over four times was three weeks after it happened. I'll say, I'll say this. Patrick Mahomes is arguably the most skilled quarterback, but I, I don't, I don't know if you can say, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Michael Jordan comparison. And the reason I say that is that every time everybody brings up Michael Jordan, I ask, I go to one simple question uh, and it's, does this person make everyone around them better? And the, the other comparison that everybody makes is if without that player, what are they? You know, and that's because it's, you know, when, when Michael retired, the Bulls were not good at all. Back, when he yeah. came back and yeah. they won another three, that, that's fine. You could say that about a number of players. And we've seen failures like this fall and teams fall because of it. But the other side of that coin is it's not just that they win when we're there, is that do they make everybody else better? Like, if you took this player off this team, put over here, and, that's, and, I, and the way I think about that is Tyreek Hill. Is Tyreek Hill better with Mahomes, or is Tyreek Hill that good, period? Yeah. Because here's what I'll say. I think Kelsey is that good, period. Not because of Mahomes. Yeah. He'd be that good with another quarterback. I but he's got so. that rapport with Mahomes, and they are the best duo, arguably. Quarterback tie and duo, they're arguably the best in, in the league. But Kelsey would be that good regardless. Now you might, I could think of a couple. You could look at whole, you know, Scanling, you know, Valdez Scanling, or maybe McCall Hardman. 
maybe they wouldn't be that good with some other quarterback. But everybody, you know, Jordan makes everyone better. And that's hard in the NFL to be to make that many people yeah. better around you just because of who you are. Yeah, I think that the the sidetracked onto the Jordan Mahomes thing, I think that it's also got to do with the physical skills. Like he just is different. He plays differently than everybody. Um, not everybody, nobody can really do what Mahomes can do. It's a different skill set. But when I close, when I squint my eyes and I look at Joe Burrow as he's gotten better, as his offensive line got a little bit better this year, and he has Jamar Chase bit. out there who is fucking fantastic. I see Tom Brady. I, They're the coming together at hands, the right time. Got a strong arm. And Burrow does really well what Brady does really well, not this last season, but in a, and that's that. He reads the defense as well and puts the run game in good positions. Yes, yes. That that actually I was watching through watching yesterday. He goes through Ooh. his progressions properly. You see, you know, you'll see great quarterbacks who don't go through their full progressions. And not only that, I saw him lead the defense one way, toss another, completing those. He's very good. And you know, academically, analytically at the position, he's very good at what he does. He is Brady-esque in that regard. So when we we talked about Mahomes on this one, we said, hey, as soon as he gets rid of some of this backyard bullshit and he plays the game more like, you know, he's going to have to play when he's closer to 30 and his skills have diminished a little bit. I mean, this guy, is not, he's getting to the prime of his career now. Don't get me wrong. And, and look, when I, make, when I say things oh, yeah. about Mahomes, I'm still saying I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL, okay? But what he doesn't do well yet, and I think he's improving on, is pre-snap. Is looking at the field and not relying on the athleticism of Kelsey or his own athleticism or the deep ball to, to, to Hill. Taking Hill out the offense long-term makes – Mahomes a better quarterback because he has to learn to read pre-snap. And you'll see it at times. You'll see yeah. when he checks to a couple of these run plays and they boom, and it's Pacheco goes for eight yards. That's not a coincidence. And that's not because he's a better running back than Edwards Hilaire or he's a better running back than anybody else. It's that Mahomes moves somebody around by putting someone in motion to create the matchup he wants. That is a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning special. Tom Brady could not do that yeah. at the beginning of his career. He did it later in his career. The last half of his career is where he got really fucking good at that. Joe Burrow already does that. Yeah, and, and there's something to say about, if you look at it, I, I look at like a Joe Burrow and a Josh Allen and, to myself, they're not "quote unquote" as skilled as as Mahomes. You know, and we're talking about the skills. You know, the skills he has, they're not as skilled. Which means they've had to gain that faster. They actually, this is where you're seeing. And you look at the record this year; they got three losses. You can toss the Colts out on that one because that's an aberration. What are the other two losses? Yesterday, and the Bills earlier yeah. in the year, because yeah. they have to play smarter 
because they don't have the same skills as Mahomes. I think Mahomes, when you get him under pressure, when you get him a little flustered, he reverts to that backyard bullshit kind of skill mentality rather than sticking to the analytical portion of the game. These guys will still move even if I'm under pressure. I can get them here. I can get them there. I can lead my players here. He's got to put that aside, remain calm in the pocket, and do his job. I think he relies on his skills a little too much still, and he hasn't fully developed where you might see – you've seen a Joe Burrow do it. Joe Burrow had to do it from the very beginning. He had an awful line. He's getting sacked like crazy. He had to be that good analytically at the position to have the success they have, and he's carried that skill. They're gelling yeah. at the right time right now at the end of the year. Josh Allen has had to do that same thing. I think I would argue Burrow's been actually doing better at it because yeah. Josh Allen, unlike Burrow, relies on his legs more. Yeah. I'm going to so say in that regard, I think that Mahomes is a little behind him. Yeah. So, again, I think that Mahomes is fantastic. And I, and he's the, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. I think that Burrow is either two, three, or four, depending on how you want to look at um, but here in this, in this, this point does not matter. I'm going to say it like this because you play who you play. But who have the Chiefs actually beaten this year? That's a good question. I have their, their, their I got it the, um, the I got Cardinals, it Raiders. Their best win, their best win. Tennessee? I would argue it's Tennessee or the 49ers. The four, they put a whooping yeah. on the 49ers. They ran that game up. That's their best game all season. It's their best game all season. And they dominated that game. They dominated the game from the beginning to the end. But they lost to the Bills. They lost to the Bengals. Who's your other one in there? They have the Titans are a top five AFC team. That game is the only other loss. They could have lost. They haven't played the Dolphins. They don't play the Dolphins. They don't play them, yeah. If you look at the NFC side, you say who are the top teams? They don't play the Eagles. They have they don't play they 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 don't play the Cowboys. Uh, they they play the Packers. Packers aren't that good anyway. No, nope. they did beat the Forty. They beat the hell out of the Forty Nineers. That's their best win, if you yes. ask me. It is pre CMC, but at the same time, they were winning at the top. Yeah, and they haven't played the anybody. Uh, from the AF, well, I guess they played the Cardinals from the AFC West. They played the Cardinals yeah, yeah, but in the, the 49ers. Yeah, so they have, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the East, the East, where the good division is. Yeah. They haven't played anybody yeah. from the, the NFC East. They haven't played the Cowboys, no, the Giants, the Eagles, or the Commanders. And they don't. And that's part of the breaks. I get that. So I'm not saying that that should. This is a college where you rank them and you have to take into effect strength of schedule. I'm not arguing that point at all. I'm just asking, I think it's a legit question to ask. Against good teams, they don't play their best. But the people you who know, the do. the funny thing is, is that, yeah. So here's what's funny. Uh, the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs and the Titans back to back. They lost to the Cowboys. They beat the Dolphins. They beat the Jets. Those are all playoff teams. Yeah, those are all, play, every one of them. Now, the Bengals have a murderer's row coming up. 
They have Cleveland this one. They should beat Cleveland. They go to Tampa and play Brady. They go to New England and play the Patriots. Then they have Buffalo coming. And in the last week of the season is a home game against the Ravens. Which could decide a division. Honestly, I don't think it's Murderer's Row because to me, the only threat here is the Bills. Well, Browns, I don't care if you have Deshaun Watson. He didn't. They're in a close. You don't want to be in a close game with the Bucs. Look what you You don't want to be in a close game with the Bucs, but I don't think they have. He's done that two last four weeks. Yeah. And then the Patriots, we don't know how good the Patriots are, but do you think the Patriots are going to be unprepared for Joe Burrow? It's not that they won't be able to – defensively, they'll be prepared. I don't see them beating them. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to beat the Bengals' defense. And I expect that Joe Burrow will be ready for that. The Patriots' defense, which is very good. Don't get me wrong. The Patriots' defense is very good. But I don't think they're good enough to stop Joe enough to win. This is the, the Patriots are a good test. It keeps, them, it keeps them on their toes. It keeps them solid. But I don't see them losing to the Patriots. The Bucks. all you have to do is get a two-touchdown lead and, and, or more and hold that through yeah. three-and-a-half well, quarters and not let them funny. back in which, again, I think they can do. So to me, the Bills are the biggest test here. The Ravens, Lamar, may not even play the rest of the year. We don't know know where he is. We don't know that. Here's the thing is that a month ago, the Bengals were 4-4. and They started off with Mm -hmm. two losses. So the Steelers, where Burrow turned it over four times. The Cowboys, where he didn't play well at all. Um, You know, he was trying to – he tried to drive them down at the end of the game, and they just couldn't complete the the two-minute drill. Then they beat the Jets and the Dolphins. They lost to the Ravens by two. Then they beat the Saints and the, and the Falcons. They had their worst game of the year against the Browns. They played the Browns. Then they've won four in a row since. That Browns game was the game that Chase got hurt as well. They have Chase back. P. Ryan's been great while Mixon's been hurt. Yep. I'm telling you, I don't want to play them guys. If I'm the Chiefs, that's the last team I want to see in the playoffs. I'd rather play Buffalo. I don't think the Chiefs want to play either of them. And that's the thing is, we, we keep talking about the Chiefs having, you know, owning, you know, they're, they're no question a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. They just, they have lost to the two teams that they have lost to before in the playoffs. Teams that have their number. I, I understand the, the, lo- the, the feeling they're on the Chiefs because they seem just magical on the field when you watch them play but at the same time if you're in the playoffs you have to play the bills and you've got to play the the Bengals. you're not getting the super bowl unless you go through one or at, at least one if not both of those teams and the chiefs are showing they can't do it yeah so as of last week coming into the week the chiefs were the number one seed at the end of the week after all the games were played right right, um, right. the jets or the dolphins were the two seed and then it was Titans, Ravens. And then it was um, Buffalo, Jets, Bengals. Now, with the shakeup this week, we have Buffalo is now the one seed because at nine and three, them and the Chiefs are both nine and three, and the Bills have the straight up win. They have the head to head win. 
Chiefs are now the second seed. Now, that's big because only one team gets home field advantage and the bye week. The overall number one. Right now, the Ravens at eight and four are the three seed. Now, right now, they're tied with the Bengals at eight and four and for that division win. Um, and it's based on the head-to-head win percentage. But if the Bengals beat the Ravens in week 17 or week 18, yes, week 18, 17-game schedule with one extra week. I always do that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the Bengals will jump ahead of them. And who's to say what's going to happen to the Ravens in the next four weeks if they don't have Lamar Jackson? Yeah. I think the talk, fourth and, seat because they're a division yeah. winner. But the Bengals were already a game ahead of them in, 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 win, in the win-loss cup. So the, all they got to do, all the Bengals have got to do is beat the Ravens. They got to they gotta beat the Ravens in the division. And they're the three seed. And you, if, you, if it goes chalk from there, you got the one team, you got Buffalo getting the bye. You would have, you would have as of right now, you would have the Chiefs playing the Jets. The Dolphins would play the Ravens. The Titans would play the Bengals. But if the Bengals were to swap with the Ravens, your second round game would be the Chiefs against the Bengals. Yep. And Burrow has beaten them twice. He's beaten them three times in a row. He's beaten them at Arrowhead. Three times in a year. Yeah, three times in yeah in twelve months he's beaten three times in one year in twelve months he's beaten them three times. And I'm watching. I got ESPN up now. They're showing the highlights in that game on on whatever this is. Yeah. This is prime time or whatever it is. And, and I'll say about that game. When it was all said and done, the Bengals weren't just you know a fantastically wicked great team. They put enough. They use they are the definition of coverage size. They're dropping seven, they're dropping eight, and you can't find an open guy. And now what I do think you'll see, we'll get to that in a second, but you, they dropped that that seven, they dropped that eight. That eight-man drop was phenomenal because then you mm. got two pass rushers coming, Hubbard and um, oh shit, I can't Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson. Coming, one of them's getting to the quarterback, and they're both athletic enough that even if he steps up, you're trailing. It's he's just you need to fluster him. That's what you need to do. Get him off his game. Get him, you know, get him off of his head, and let him rely on that backyard bullshit. He will make a mistake. Now, I will say, and you know, the biggest play in that game was Kelsey's fumble. You know, the strip of Kelsey. That oh yeah yeah yeah. Now, what I will say, the Chiefs could not get Kelsey going. They were trying, they were trying to force him the ball. Um, this happened last week, too. And they got away with it last week. But when Mahomes threw the red zone pick, the one in the end zone, he was trying to force it to yeah. Kelsey. Yeah. I get that he's trying to force things to Kelsey because Kelsey's fucking incredible. But if other people are open, throw him the ball. And look, this Chiefs Chiefs team is not short of good players. I mean, look, every offensive skill position player they got is quality. Valdez, Scanling, um, this Pacheco kid is great. I'm a big believer in in, um, in, uh, Schuster as well. 
and of and of Edwards Hilaire. I mean, they're just the team is is a great team. It isn't like he doesn't have pieces. He's got a bunch of. Oh, he's got pieces. Yeah, I mean, there's they're no not Justin reason. Jefferson pieces, but they're definitely solid pieces yeah. across the board. Sky Moore is and that's better. the point: is that he's supposed to be spreading it around. Yeah, you got Justin Watson playing better. They go get uh, Kadarius Tony. I mean, they've got players. Mahomes has just got to not lock in and force things, and trust his other players to make plays. Now, I will say the one play I saw. This is I, I suspect we'll see more of this. If the Chiefs play the Bengals again, the Bengals were hitting Kelsey at the line of scrimmage on every play. They were putting Hubbard in front of him on half of them. And then they bracket coverage. That's a lot to do to a tight end, Mm. but you kind of have to do it. But what I did see, there was one play in the fourth quarter where Kelsey stays the block and then he backs up off the line of scrimmage where the ball is caught behind the line of scrimmage. And so the mm-hmm. center and the backside, center and the front side guard were both able to go downfield to block like a screen pass. And they just cleared out the receivers. They cleared the receivers out. Those two release late. They throw the ball to Kelsey. He's like a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage. And you can have linemen downfield, and you know this, if the ball's caught behind the line of scrimmage. So they did yeah. this with Kelsey, and he goes for like 12 yards. It was a fantastically drawn-up play. There's going to be some shit like that we're going to see to try to get him into games if there's if if he gets taken out of games like that again. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I That's the kind of thing that Andy Reid, this is what I like about Andy Reid, Andy Reid's going to sit there with that offensive staff and they're going to say, what did work? And they're going to see that play in particular. And they're going to go, we need a couple more like that. We need to have those in our hip pocket when we play those guys again. Because it was a pretty phenomenally well-done play. Yeah. One thing I will, a couple things I will I'll quickly say on, on this game one more time. I want to give the, the DC and, and everybody on, on the coaching staff, because he's basically, when we talk about the Bengals having their number, it's an entire strategy to put the Chiefs off kilter at every position, especially yeah. in Mahomes. You know, I mean, Mahomes was only, what, six, was it 16 of 27? Yeah, 16 of 27, which is not, it's, for any other quarterback, it's a normal day. For him, that's a weak day. That's not a good day for Patrick Mahomes. So you know that they're put, you know, defensively putting him off his game. They're running over. And, and working around the defense, the, the coaching staff has a really good strategy to take care of the Chiefs. The other thing I want to bring up real quick, because I'm looking, I was looking at the win loss for them, and we're looking at you know, Bills, Bengals, Colts. That's their three losses. Well, mm-hmm. if I rewind, if we go back to let's say week one or two, and we're looking at the Chiefs. Let's say week one, we're just going into week one, and you look at their schedule, the way you looked at it then, compared to the way we would look at it now. And the way we looked at the AFC West, then that we don't look at them now like nobody's yeah. nobody's batting an eye at the Raiders, nobody's batting an eye at the Chargers, nobody's batting an eye at at, at, uh, at um, what Broncos. Broncos yeah. At the beginning of the year, we thought all of these teams were juggernauts. We thought they, this was the toughest division. The more and more I look at this schedule, 
the two they've already played their toughest two games, Bengals, Bengals and, and Bills. Those are their toughest two games. The next toughest would be the Titans of the 49ers. And that's it. Four games out of 17. Yeah. Everybody else, I don't give a chance to the Chiefs. Not even close. Yeah. It's not even a question. And the rest of this year, Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. They're going to run the table. Nobody on that, what's left on their schedule is going to do a thing. So really what we're looking at here for the Chiefs is Bengals and Bills in the playoffs. Maybe the 49ers. We'll talk. You know, we'll have to see what happens with them the rest of the year without Garoppolo. But they've got all the other pieces in place. We just got to see if they, if Purdy can do yeah. what they, what, what Garoppolo could do. I don't see a trap. But game there's nothing there. stopping the Chiefs from right. running the table here and finishing with three losses for the year and, and walking in as long. And if they don't, as long if the Bills don't mess up, they're the number one seed. But if they do, then the Chiefs have the number one seed without question. They'll have the record for it. Well, and let's hit that real quick. So the Chiefs' remaining schedule, you kind of hit it really quickly there, is at the Broncos, at the Texans, then at home against the Seahawks, at home against the Broncos, at the Raiders. The Raiders are playing a little better. They've won three in a row. That might be a trap game, but I don't think so. I really don't. And I know the Raiders beat them last year, but I – yeah, I, I just – and I know the Raiders played them close this year. That was that game that we watched and we knew even when they were down 17, we knew the Chiefs were going to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. They won that game 30-29. But for Buffalo, to your point, and this helps the Chiefs, Buffalo's got some monsters in here still. Buffalo still plays yeah, the they division. Do. They got – they played the Patriots this week and they won. But they play the Jets next week. Jets are – or that's and that's the that's the noon game. I'm sorry. The following week they go short week, yeah, and play against the Dolphins. Then they go to the Bears. They should win that. To the Bengals, and then okay. end with the Patriots, which could be a trip up game. You just never know. It so, really could. It really could. I mean, you got to figure that Buffalo is going to drop one of those games. I'd be very surprised if Buffalo was five and up. I gotta think that the Chiefs are gonna go. It would surprise me as well. Yeah. It would surprise me as well. I think the Jets I have think figured the out the quarterback at the number least one for the time pick. being. I think the I think the Chiefs still the number one seed, I should say. I think it's but there to lose. Yeah, I agree. Oh man, you gotta take care of business. And and I think that we saw a little bit of the strategy of how to beat the Chiefs again this week. I yeah. Um, a couple of the games I want to hit. The team that I think's the best team in the NFL. I know we've just we just loved up the Bengals and we talked about the Chiefs and I think the Chiefs are great. I think the Bengals are great. I think the Bills are great too. The team that I think from one to fifty three is the best team in the league. They keep winning, and that's this Philadelphia Eagle team. They find a way. They find they a way. They took it to the Titans. The Titans, and it, we we were talking about this. I was talking to you. I, mean, I think we talked about a couple weeks ago. We talked about these are the two teams that they can muddy up a game, and they can run the football. But what the Eagles have that the Titans don't have is the Eagles have the big play capability. Yes, that offense can they can score some points. I mean, you look. I mean. 
They can go they out there. They have players that can be clutch. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts is having an MVP season. He has been incredible. Right now, he is my he choice really for MVP of the league. People keep talking about Mahomes at MVP, and I'm sorry, but I look at other players like Hertz, who came out of, you know, but Mahomes is, is doing what he's expected to do. Obviously, he's being that good. But have you turned around a team so significantly and led them so significantly from obscurity as Hertz, as Tua? Well, Those are two names that really well, changed these. And Hertz is the one I would agree has really stood out amongst the crowd on what he's done with his legs, what he's done in the air, and when he's done it, he's been smart. Yeah. I slightly disagree because I think that what they did here, the Eagles, I think the Dolphins did this too. And remember we talked about this early in the season started. We said, hey, Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts, we're going to know if these two guys are good this season because they have no excuses. The pieces are there. Every piece has been put in place for both of them. Now, Jalen Hurts has literally gotten better every single year of his career. This True. year, he's taken to a whole other level, and that was the addition of A.J. Brown. The fact that they have A.J. And Brown and Devontae so Smith, clutch. those two, so good. they give that – the Eagles have those two players, and that's the difference between the Eagles and how they differ from, like, the Titans. The Titans have the better running back. The Titans have the best running back in the league. Derrick Henry's a monster. He's the best running back since Adrian Peterson was yeah. in his prime. But you don't have to be good at that position at this quarterback in a couple of plays. And they're not asking Jalen Hurts to go out here and throw, you know, for 350 yards a game. They're just saying, hey, we need you to throw the ball. Be, be efficient. The guy's currently at a completion rate of 68.1%. Got 2,900 passing yards. But then in the run game, you go on and look and you go, this somebody can run the football too. Jalen Hurts with 609 rushing yards. He's yeah. rushed for nine touchdowns. It's so much that you can do with that two-style dual quarterback threat. And he does it. Tua can do it as well. Tua's not quite as good as Jalen Hurts. Which is funny because if you know the story, Tua is the guy that took Jalen Hurts' job in college. He took his job, yeah. In Alabama. <laughs> he took his job. Literally, they sat they sat Jalen Hurts at halftime of the national championship game to play Tua. Which is why and Alabama left. won the game. Yeah. I don't know if you left. know that story. Yeah. I mean, I know you don't follow college like you do the NFL. Yeah, literally that was – and then Jalen transferred to Oklahoma for his last year. He won the Heisman. And, yeah, I mean, he was great. But Jalen Hurts has gotten better every year. And no one thought Jalen Hurts – To me, I think he – I don't know that he's the best quarterback in the league, but I think he's the most important player in the league this season. So I, I totally see where you're going with it. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Like, I would say this. If you took Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and you flip-flopped them, neither team would be as good. They would be different teams, but they would still be this good. Be, I don't think they'd be as good as they are. I don't think the Eagles are going to be – well, they're 11-1 and one right now. 
I don't think they're eleven and one. Yeah, they're still. And that's I'm not trying to knock Patrick Mahomes. I'm. I was saying the same thing about Joe Burrow. What I'm saying is that Jalen Hurts fits exactly what that team wants to do, and he gives them something that nobody else has, and that's what the Eagles want to do. No one could go into Kansas City right now, take over Patrick Mahomes' position, and that team still be nine and three. Not Joe Burrow, not Jalen Hurts, not Tom Brady, not Josh Allen. I, I, I'm if you not, were switching again, I'm today, yes, I'm I would not, agree. If you switched them yeah. just arbitrarily out of nowhere, yes, I agree. Yeah, that's because, exactly what I'm saying. Is that if they, that's yeah, why I would I, agree. like if I'm voting for the game, I've been saying this about three or four weeks now. My MVP vote would be for Jalen Hurts because he's the guy on the best. He he's making it the best team in the league. I don't know that anybody. But there is a part of me that, that thinks that he might be the only one who could make that switch with Mahomes. I wouldn't put Josh Allen in Kansas like just today. Trade them and see what they can do. I wouldn't. I would agree with you. I don't think Burrow. I don't think Josh Allen. I do think Hurts could keep up and make something of this offense like Mahomes does in a different I, way. But he could do it. Yeah. Jalen Hurts would be funny to see with Andy Reid. That would be funny. I'd like to see that, but it, it, that, that's all hypothetical. I mean, we're when we're, we're talking. You, you never earlier see something looking, like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, but that's where yeah, I'm you're at. You're never going to see it. Yeah, and that's where I'm at on the Eagles thing. I'm like, they're the best team. I I do. I think they're the best team. I think he's been the best player this year. I, I think he's the. And most ironically, we were thinking about team. his league being the easier path, and he's got the, the you know arguably the the. The, the Eagles have a pretty rough path, and they're not yeah. finishing easy because they're in the NFC East, which is yeah. the division that's all winning. Yeah, how does this happen? They have. Let's go. Let's hit that real quick. The Eagles play the Giants this week, then the Bears, then the Cowboys at Dallas. That's Christmas Eve. That's the game I predict they were going to lose. Then they play the Saints. Now the Saints, we know their offense is fucking terrible. Well, we know they can they can play some defense. And the Giants again, they end the season they end the season at home against the Giants. They have two against the Giants, that really good Cowboys team. And I I'm convinced after watching Sunday night, I don't want the Cowboys in a one game scenario. The Cowboys. Here's, here's where I'll agree with you because the Cowboys game is the third straight away game. Yes, They're at sorry that, at Bears, then at Dallas in a row. That's tough. yeah. That was the that's the sneaky part of why I picked it that way. Was I said, hey, yeah. I said a few weeks ago, I thought this team was going to either finish with one or two losses, right before they lost to the Commanders. And I said, well, if they don't get picked off here or here, this is the game they get picked off at. Like I didn't think they were going to go seventeen to zero because I looked at the Cowboys game and I went third road game, Christmas Eve. At Dallas, that's a tough game. That's a game it's, it's that's not an easy finish. No. It's not an easy finish for this team. So, now I think the Giants are you know, they play the Giants twice. I think that the those two Giants games mean a ton to the Giants because the Giants, the Commandos, and we call them the Commandos, but the Commanders. Uh, the Commandos, the Giants, and the Seahawks <laughs> are all playing for the last playoff spot. 
And the Giants can't afford to lose two games to the Eagles. Because they no, didn't they beat cannot. the Panthers. Not if they want a playoff spot. No, they cannot. Yeah. Because I think the Seahawks are going to still are, are for real. I think mean, they're good. And then I look at the Giants and I go, wait a minute. You've got to play the Eagles twice. They do play the Commanders again. The Giants also play at Minnesota. And then they have they have New Year's Day against the Colts. And we don't know. I mean, I can shit on the Colts if I wanted to, but there's some things I really like that I see there. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the Giants are going to be the team, I think, that does fall out of those three teams. The one team in the East I think is going to fall out of the playoffs with the Giants. And that's not a knock to say it's a coin flip. I think Dave coin flip to me because I think he really has. I mean, we look again, we looked at this NFC East and we thought nothing of it. And they have absolutely proven everybody wrong. Uh, But, you know, this tie this weekend, and you know how I feel about ties. I fucking hate ties. It it basically says either one of them could fall in or fall out. I think it's really a question of. Where they fall. So honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if the if the Giants fall out of the playoffs. But I'm going to bet the Commanders fall out before the Giants do. I think that the Giants have done more with what they have, and I think the Commandos are underperforming. I, I think wanna, they could be better, and they're not. Okay, I want to talk about the Commandos real quick. Um, as an organization, this fucking franchise has just fucking blown it. Did you see this wasn't this past weekend, but the weekend before the statue for Sean Taylor? Ellen and I spoke about it. I have not seen the statue, but I had no, yeah, I know of it. It's been spoken of at length. It's not okay. news. We talked about it on the point yeah. five, and I'm not yeah. going to get too deep into it. But well, the point I wanted to make with you, and I wanted to ask your opinion on it. Let me pull this back up as well. So the commanders, uh, they, they tied this week with the Giants, they came back. Uh, got a late touchdown to 2020. They should have won the game in overtime. They did not play well in overtime. But they've now, in their last eight games, they are 6-1-1 one, and one in the last eight games. This team was at 1.1-4 one yeah. with the commanders. Yeah. With all this shit going on, the investigations, the talk about changes in ownership, People upset at the at Dan Snyder, the Sean Taylor situation with the with the the insult that is the statue, which is a fucking mannequin. Um, yeah. Somehow, Ron Rivera has kept the locker room together, and that's credit to him. He's a good coach. Man, I don't know. I mean, you look at it and go. This team is 6-1-1 one, one in the last eight. And they're in a playoff spot right now. And you look at it and go, that's fucking phenomenal. They, oh, yeah. They're in a better division. team with Taylor Heineke at quarterback than they are with Carson Wentz. There's no way Carson Wentz is back next year. And this surprises who? Can we lamented Carson Wentz to death? I don't, yeah. uh, you and I. We, you and I both talked about how much we thought it was a mistake in getting Carson Wentz. Um, I think that I think a lot needs to be said. Having a coach of the year this year in the NFL is going to be a hard fucking decision. You look at what Ron Rivera has done, what Brian Dayball has done in, in New York. Um, you know, what's going on in Minnesota, 
what's going on in Philly. And then you look, I'm not even going to give the Bengals coach any run or, or Andy Reid, and you can argue Andy Reid's been great. I just look at this and go, wow, there's really been some great coaching situations. Um, Robert Slaw, the, um, the Jets coach. I yeah, mean, Jets and coach. then, and you know who we both Miami. like. We both Miami. like Miami, and we like their coaching staff. And then the dude that we both like a lot, that's Dan Campbell with the, with the Lions. Yes, we do. Yeah, good mean, week. Dude, a good week. This is the week. Is it this week or is it next week? It's next week. Okay, so the Lions play the Vikings this week. But yeah. next week Coming is week. the game we wanted to see. The Lions-Jets. Not because this is a great game, but because we know that every single player on this field is willing to die for his coach. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. that is going to be in two, on the 18th. I would encourage everybody to go to their local sports bar. I'll be in Johnny's West in Lawrence, and I'm going to watch every moment of that game. So that is going to be a hard-nosed, everybody getting after everybody game. Oh, yeah. That is going to be a fun game. I don't know who's going to win. I tend to think the Jets will win at home, but they ain't messing with these Lions teams. I mean, they've won four out of five. Even when I think they're going to lose, I'm still pulling – You've seen me. I was. You've seen me huh? do it. I'm sitting there watching the Lions, and I'm like, I don't think they're going to win, but I really want them to. I can't help but root for these guys. I just want them to win. Yeah, they've they won four out of five, and the loss in there is to Buffalo, and they were Buffalo. taking it to Buffalo. Maybe not in the scoreboard, but they were taking it to Buffalo physical wise. Yeah, they were, they were hungry. It was Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, they were coming at And some of their losses, I mean, they gave the Eagles the best game the Eagles have had all year. They only lost by a field goal in that game. They scored, 30, they scored 35 against the Eagles. They lost uh-huh. to the Vikings in Minnesota by four. Um, they lost to the Seahawks in a goddamn shootout, 48-45. But they've only been put away twice. The Patriots blanked them in New England, and the Cowboys beat them big in Dallas. Uh huh. But man, this Lions team ain't messing around. They, I, they are still I'll second go. in the division. I mean, there's <laughs> it. It just becomes more and more plausible if they can just scrape. Scrape. Yeah. We we just mentioned probably eight coaches that we like in this league, and I text you yesterday. And I believe yes. your text back to yeah. me was, I feel a full coaching breakdown coming. So here we are. Because I got some fucking problems, as Frank Costanza would say on Festivus. <laughs> I got some fucking problems with you Festivus people. Festivus is coming up. And you're about to hear it. <laughs> I've already talked about lamenting the job that the uh, Saint New Orleans Saints have. But I want to talk about two things, and this is not just in the NFL. I know you don't watch a lot of college, but the last two weekends I've seen this in college just as much in big game college games. I, I want to talk first about coaches. All right. I know that we both believe in analytics. I'm, I yeah. understand it. I like it. And I think that we're now seeing – Almost 
a major league baseball too much turn on the analytics. You don't really see this. You're not a big yes. baseball guy. Yes. Baseball analytics across the board. But here's the one that pisses me off. Fourth and one. I get that the odds of of getting fourth and one are something like 58%. They're better than, than half. Well, if you're in the red zone, take points. Last week. It's this situational, but I, yes, you get the points, yes. I was thinking about last week. And I was watching, and it was, I want to make sure it's right. It was last Monday's game, the Colts and the Steelers. All right, Ricardo, I'm going to ask the question this way. Who is the Colts, the, the Colts quarterback? Colts quarterback? Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Now, what do we know about Matt Ryan? He does Matt Ryan things. He does Matt Ryan things. Look, I'm. I am the creator of that, by the way. I absolutely am the creator of the line, Matt Ryan does Matt Ryan things. That should go. It's a thing. It's real, though. If he makes the Hall of Fame, he should absolutely be put on his plaque, and I better get fucking creative on that because it's true. Last week, (laughs) I am watching the game. At the time, it was 16 to 10. Early in the third quarter, 16 to 10 Steelers early in the third quarter. The Colts get a fourth down and they kick a field goal. No problem. It's like fourth and three. They kick the field goal. That's it's fine. exactly yeah. what you do. What you should do. The points. Holding call on the Steelers. And oh, it was right. that, yeah. It was that said that a five-yard hold thing at the line of scrimmage. And Jen says, "Oh, they'll get a first down because it was fourth and four. And I went, yeah. "No, do not take points off the board in a three-point game because it's now 16-13. and you had a quarter and a half. Don't take the points off the board." I don't know if you know yeah, we what has, happened. We, yeah, we talked. Yeah, Who no, we talked about it, but I, yeah, they they screwed. They lost the ball. Yeah. Matt Ryan threw an interception in the end zone two plays late. Again, that's the situation. Again, the analytics yeah. say you do that. But if I know my quarterback is Matt Ryan, I'm not going to take the analytics. I got to think about who I've got at quarterback. I agree with you. I agree with you in that regard in that you do have to take who you have at quarterback into account, who you have personnel on the field on, on that. However, I still would agree with the position you need to take the penalty, get the first down, give yourself a chance at a touchdown because they are down. They okay. are down against a team that's, that you're fighting back from behind. You need something. You need to take as many points as you can. Plus, it looks weak. If you just take the field goal without taking the penalty okay. when you get a first down, here's where I'm going to. So here's the, but what but what I would what I would change on that is this. 
you shouldn't be throwing into the goddamn end zone. You should be using Matt Ryan to do the correct Matt Ryan things, which is within five to ten yards at most, and hand the ball off to your running back. You got Jonathan Taylor there. Let him run three times, and if you don't get there, great. Kick the field goal again. Not a problem. You gotta, you're closer. You're going to have better odds. But why? You know, if you're going to do that, don't throw the damn end zone with Matt Ryan. I agree with you on that part. That was the, wrong, the, the play call is where I have a problem with it. But I do understand your point, and I, there's plenty of examples for that. But I, and I, I see where you're going with it, though. Take the points, and you don't take points off the board. And here's my other question with that is, if you take points off the board, and let's say four plays later it's now fourth down and goal, and you're at the two, can you settle for a field goal? You've already mm-hmm. taken the points off the board. Do you have to score the touchdown? Most people will say, if I take the points off the board, I've got to get the touchdown. I disagree with that. I do too. That is is playing with your heart, not your head. That's right. Here's why you take the the penalty is for this reason. And And I've said it all year long. It's how you beat Mahomes. Keep the ball. Keep the possession. Keep their offense off the field. That's why you I take just, it. You're not taking the penalty because you're greedy or you're thinking, well, yeah, you need to keep that offense off the field. You need to keep control of the ball. You never just give the ball away. If I can get six, I'm going to hold on to the ball. I may not get six, but if I've cost you two more minutes on the field, that's two more minutes at the end of the game. You don't have. I see that. I point. will keep the ball and get the same field goal Two minutes I later on, on clock time, just for that I, reason. I alone. agree if you're going against Patrick Mahomes, if you're going against Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, I agree with that. But if I'm going against the Steelers and they've had me down 16-3 to and I just got back into the game at 16-10 and I got a quarter and a half to go and now it's 16-13, any field goal puts me in a tie. And we can, we're going to have more than two possessions between here and the end of the game. We have a, sure, a whole sure, quarter, plus I've got a I get quarter that. here. So I think you have to look. That's what I mean. My point is you can't just look at the blind analytics of saying it's a 58 to 62% chance of converting fourth and one. You have to look at it at more than just that. I absolutely agree. Absolutely I agree. That's the problem I'm seeing is I'm seeing these coaches, and I think I tweeted it, on the Coach Bono's pot on the podcast Twitter, four or five mm-hmm. times over the weekend, where I said another coach who's allergic to field goals. Yeah, <laughs> take yes. the field goal if you got a good kick. And we're not talking about fifty yards. These were all like 30, 28, 30, 38 yard field goals. Things you're going to make. Get the field goal. Get the points. Points equal momentum. And I, points. I agree. The scoreboard is not based on who has the ball last, and it's not based on who has the least turnovers. The scoreboard is based on fucking points. We can all say things like who runs the ball the most wins. There's a lot of strategy involved with that. He who turns the turns the ball over the least tends to win also. But we imperatively know. But the team that scores the most points wins the game. Even Chris Collinsworth knows that. 
Give me points. <laughs> oh, yes, true. You know, there's another play that actually comes from last weekend, which sent just like for you, it sent me through the roof. And we kind of talked, we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, but, um, and that's the Eagles going for it on fourth and one in the first quarter with a lead on their own side of the field. Yeah. That was where my analytics, analytics, my says analytics you says you go this. for it. Fucking punt the ball. Punt the, the ball. damn ball. Here's, here's why I, analytics you're saying analytics shouldn't be the only thing and this is a hundred percent true because here's the thing that analytics doesn't tell you it covers your probabilities in stats wise in numbers in 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 simple understandable logical terms what can happen out of this your odds it doesn't count the risk if you fail going for fourth fourth and anything on your own side of the ball is the dumb i don't care what's going on don't ever go for fourth down on your own side of the field unless you're in the two minutes of desperation you're down there's no reason for it okay absolutely I can, I can add to the scenario where i would now you're talking about the eagles example it's a great example is early in the game against the Packers. why would i want to possibly turn the ball over 40 percent of the time and hand it to short field to aaron Rodgers? uh-huh and you have a lead. I'd rather have, already have a good lead. The whole goddamn, have to drive the whole goddamn field. Even if I think my team is so much better, if I think my team at 11 and 1, I guess they're 10 and 1 when they played this game, 10 and 1 is better than this 4 and 8 fiasco. And I think we should be the favorite. We should be kicking their ass. You come beat me. Let me play smart. Now, here's where it's different, mm-hmm. okay? It's different if you're the Packers in that scenario. If you're the 4-18, who's – okay, so an example coming up. We've got a schedule here. Hang with me. One second. So I'm going to give you an example coming up this week. If you're the Broncos this week at home against the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's and it's a it's a close game, and it's fourth and one, and your offensive line's been doing a few things, and you think you've got the play call, you've got to make a play. I would have zero problem. Because I need something to beat this better team. And this is an opportunity to beat the better team. For me to win and you to lose. Agreed. Agreed. But in this scenario, the reason you go for it is in analytics. No, it's exactly, exactly what you just said. It, it's, it's what The reason you do it is exactly what you just said. It's not because the analytics say so. It's because of what you just said. You need yes. this. I need this. I got to have this right now. This is what could change the entire game to where we can wait. We get this first down and they look and go, oh, holy shit. This guy's going to throw the whole fucking kitchen sink at me. And here's why I believe this. Okay. I read one of my favorite coaching books, football coaching books ever is I got this in college and it was a book written about by different college football coaches 
about different scenarios in a game. And my favorite, I, I had to give this as a presentation to a room full of football people. It was great when I was in college, I did this. Was Coach Bobby Bowden, Florida State Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the or Hall of Fame coach, one of the greats of all time. What to yep. do first down inside your own 10? Bobby Bowden's first play, first down, he threw the ball deep. Yeah. Threw the ball deep. He says, one, you know you're getting man coverage. You know you're getting man coverage. Who is your best man beater? Throw him the ball as far deep as the fucking quarterback can throw. Because if you don't complete it, you might get a penalty. You might complete the play yeah. and you're out and you're out of you're out of your fucking shadow of your end zone. You might get a penalty. That might drive you 15 yards in the college rules. So you might get that. But the other thing is the opposing sideline, the coach, defensive coach is going, oh, holy shit. This motherfucker. Yeah, you thought you were going to go short. You were going to go up the gut. You're going to break something. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not thinking deep. You're not thinking deep. You're not. And if he's going, if this motherfucker will do this here, what else can this motherfucker do? And that's exactly what I was going to say next. It's not so a question. If, you, if you don't do anything, it, it's what are you going to do next? It's not just based on an analytics. It has to be situation in the game. And there's too many coaches that just rely on the analytics of it. I see it as harmful because I see it in baseball, too, and it bothers me in baseball. It's why the Rays don't win the World Series every year, because the Rays are the ones who live and die by the, by the, the fucking book. But it's, it's, like being a, it's like being a blackjack player. You know. Yeah, you know the numbers, you know how it works. You know, I play it by the book most of the time too. But when you play in blackjack, when do you actually make money? You make money when you have double downs and and splits. That's when your money gets on the table, when it's in your advantage. So don't just blindly go for fourth and one. Go for fourth and one when you have a distinct advantage and a reason for doing it. That's driving me crazy right now. The analytics and I, and I, is a I, tool. You I should I be using it accordingly. It, yeah. I think I termed it coaches who were afraid of field goals. Um, the other one. Okay. You watched the Monday night game. The other one that's driving me crazy right now is coaches not knowing how to run a two-minute drill. Tom Brady, if you, you want to know how to run a two-minute drill, check out what – Brady and left, which did the play calling tonight. It was brilliant and it was perfect. If you start your two minute drill, someone kicks off to you and you've got to go get a touchdown and you got two minutes, you start at your 20 yard line, let's call it. You got to go 80 yards. Field goals will not do. I got to go. Problem teams have. Kansas City did this this past week is they keep throwing down the field. They're looking Uh for the big play. Now, the excuse is I'm either going to hit the big play or like Brady did on the first possession, I'm going to get a penalty. But if I start on the 20, I'm not getting the penalty at the 45. I'm not. I'm not getting the call. Uh -uh. I'll get the call at the 40 going into the end zone. That's when they're more apt to call. The most important thing you can do is the Saints didn't learn this tonight. 
I watched a bunch of games over this last weekend, both college and the NFL, where coaches just refuse to understand this. Most important thing to do on a two-minute drill is get the first first down. Any way you can. Any way you can. I don't care how you do it. Tom Brady on that second. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull this up because bear with me a second here. This will take me a moment because it was fucking genius how they did this. And this was an offensive coordinator and a head coach saying, here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to get the play-by-play here of what they did on this last possession because it was fucking brilliant. All right, let me get this. All right. Last possession. Okay. First and 10 at 37. Brady throws a short left pass to Julio Jones for five yards. Second and five. Brady short middle to Godwin for nine yards. What have you just done? Get a first down. Get a first down. And you've moved the ball 14 yards. Two-minute warning. Brady, first and 10 at the New Orleans 49. Brady, short pass left to Otten, pushed out of bounds at the 41-yard line, eight yards. Second and two, Fournette runs up the middle for 10 yards. Nobody calls a run play. Second and two. Why? Fournette runs right up the middle for 10 yards. They don't have to use a timeout because they just get to the ball. In college, it would have been a first down, and the clock would have stopped. And the clock would have stopped until they set. The, the, until they set. Yeah. Yep. So clock doesn't start the until they blow the whistle. Yeah. So what have you just done? You've gotten two first downs. And what have you done? You've moved the ball. 14 plus 8 is 22 plus 10 is 32 yards. I've now moved the ball 32 yards on four plays, and I haven't thrown the ball past 10 yards yet. Mm-hmm. What are the defenses doing? They're sitting in either cover three or cover four. They're on their heels. I'm going to keep fucking doing this. First and 10 at the New Orleans 31. Brady short left pass to Otten for four yards. That was the play that was actually tackled inbounds. Second mm-hmm. and six. Brady incomplete short to Ott. Third and six, Brady passed to Miller for seven yards. So they convert. Fourth, uh, first and 10 to 20, short pass to Julio Jones for 15 yards. First and goal at the five. That was the, the play to Godwin. That was a touchdown. They had the off of the holding. Yeah. So first and 15, now you have 16 seconds left. He throws incomplete to to Godwin, short middle. He has a timeout in his pocket, so he can throw to the middle of the field. If it's complete, timeout. And if it's complete for six yards, second and goal at the nine is better than at the 15. Second and goal at the 15, he throws it to Godwin, pushed out of bounds, for nine yards, 12 seconds, timeout New Orleans, third and goal to six, Brady to White, touchdown. Did not a single play where he threw the ball more than 12, more than 10 yards. Yeah. 
and he does it better than anybody. Here's the thing is everybody thinks it's the deep ball. No, no, no. The deep ball oh. is when you're in your own end zone. Your deep ball is when yes. you've got one, when you've got man to man. I can take in a shot. your two minute. You want to be a buzzsaw. Uh-huh. You want to put them on their heels. You want to go through them. This is when you're going your no huddle. It's when you're keeping the tempo up because you don't have time for any of these things. You should be ready. When you walk up to the very, from the very first down, you should have your first, second, and third play already called, ready to go. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do right then. He may, you may audible out of the second because of what they present you. But you want to keep the defense without a chance to regroup. You want to move them back. So yeah. if you aren't buzzsawing right through them, you got a problem on your two minutes. Now remember, the Bucks did it twice, right? Mm-hmm. They got the ball at 521 left in the game. It was 16 to 3, New Orleans. Here we go. First and 10 at the Tampa 9. At the 9. Brady incomplete short to Godwin. Second and 10 at the 9. Brady short middle to Godwin for 13 yards. First and 10 at the 22, Brady incomplete. Second and 10 for 22, Brady short pass to Evans, pushed out at the 36 for 14 yards. That was that play where Matthew was a little bit a step late. Uh-huh. First and 10 at the 36. Now they've taken off. This is at 430. In 48 seconds, they've gone from the 9 to the 36. They haven't had a third down yet. Okay. Not even a third uh-huh. down, much less a fourth down. First and 10 to 36, Brady short pass to Julio Jones for eight yards. Second and two to Tampa 44. Short pass middle to the running back four net, 10 yards. Throw it to the back, second and two. Second and two is your friend. Now you got first and 10 to 46, Brady short pass to Evans for nine yards. Second and one. We love second and one, right? Run the football. Fournette, off left, tackle, two yards, first down. Now you're at first down at the 35, 323 to go. You've had the ball for just under two minutes. You started at your own nine. You're at the 35. Okay? So what does Brady do? He throws a deep pass. We're talking from the 35, not back at his own nine. Not from his own 10, yeah, no. Right. He waited till he got to the 35. He takes a deep shot, incomplete. Second and 10, here's the big one. He throws another, he throws the ball to Fournette for six. I'm sorry, that's not the big one. He throws a short pass to Fournette, six yards. The penalty on the the penalty on the Bucks backs him up 10. Now you got second and 20. 310 to go. They've had the ball for two minutes and 11 seconds. They're still back to the 45 now. The New Orleans 45. They started at their own nine. Yep. They still haven't had a third down. It's second and 20, not third and 20, not fourth and 20. And what have we also not seen in this? We haven't seen a, a sack. We haven't seen any defensive penalties yet. So what's he do on second and 20? He throws a deep pass to Mike Evans, which gets pass interference for 44 yards. It was going to be a touchdown. If if it, a deep doesn't you say doesn't, deep pass, we're yeah. we're 20 yards, 
20. That's not, I mean, it's, 20. it's a deep pass when you field. compare it to everything else he's thrown, but 20 yards isn't exactly deep. No. So he just says on second and 20 to 45, he's like, fuck it, I'm going to throw it in the end zone. But he didn't do that from the other side of the field. He did it once he crossed midfield. And he did it on second down. Let's say that pass does not have a penalty and Evans doesn't drop the ball. You still have three minutes to go. He still had two timeouts. And he still got two plays to make the first down. They get the penalty, which is what you want in a deep ball. The deep ball, you want the opportunity for the defensive penalty. It stops the clock, and it puts it all the way down there in the NFL. In college, it would have been You want one of two things. You want the score or the penalty puts you on the one. And the penalty, put, yeah, penalty puts you to one, and it gives you a first down. In college, it would have been 15 yards and an automatic first down, and it would have stopped the clock. So it's a great idea. First and goal at the one, Brady throws the touchdown pass. Then the Saints, three plays, set nine, minus seven yards. Let's go through the Saints real quick, because now it's – 16 to 10, okay? And the Bucks have two timeouts. So you know what's going to happen. I'm sorry, they had three timeouts. So you know what's going to happen. The Bucks are going to use the three timeouts here. Yeah. So what is it? what are some things let's talk about before you see what the play's on? What can you not do? Two things you can't do. You can't. You can't let the clock stop because that means they keep a timeout. Yeah. But you have to get the, the first down. You can't. The two yeah. important things you can't do on the offense here. Can't throw an incomplete pass because, like you said, we can't stop the clock. Right? Yep. We can't take a sack. Nope. We can't be in third and long. Because if you put me in third and long, I have to throw the football. And if I don't complete the pass, it stops the clock. Stops the clock. The Saints get the ball first and 10th, 25-yard line. They run it with Kamara for three yards. I remember thinking that's a pretty good run on first down. I'll take three yards. Timeout. After three minutes with to the go. clock running, yeah. Timeout. Next play. They go. The Saints go jumbo. They bring in the extra, the extra linemen. Andy Dalton sat at the 18-yard line for a 10-yard loss. What can't you do? You can't, can't, get can't get sacked. Can't stop the clock. Andy Dalton gets sacked on second down. If you're going to get sacked, get sacked on first down. Don't get yeah, sacked. Now you're in third. Why are you now you're at third and sixteen? Why are you even thinking about throwing the football? You're even the only thinking thing you about backing the quarterback with the line of scrimmage. It's a check down. It should be an automatic check down, and he stays in bounds. It does, it's, it's only the guarantee. You do not put it in the air with risk. It's a jumbo a package. It's near the end of the game. They brought the jumbo package in. They just got three yards on first down. Look, all I'm trying to get is three or four more. All I'm trying to get is all you three, need. four yards for three straight plays. Because I know if I'm the Saints, if I get two first downs, 
the game is over. You're out of timeouts, and I can run the clock out. Yep. And the first play, I got the three yards I wanted. So then I go bring the extra lineman in, and we throw a fucking pass. Before he can throw the pass, he gets sacked. Second timeout. Now, what do we never want? Third and long. How about third and 17 at your own 18-yard line? That means I got to get to the 35. Well, I can't run the football here. So what does this ignorant son of a bitch do? He throws an incomplete deep left past the hill. They don't even have to use a timeout. Could you throw an incomplete pass? And you, and you punt. punted it. You punt it. You got a punt. You punt it 45 yards. Now, remember the second possession, the winning one? They started at the 37. The sack alone is 10 yards. What if they start at the 27? Uh-huh. Does change the game a little bit. It's, it's the little things. It's the little things here. And this is where I say, I, I am shocked at sometimes why coaches make the decisions they make because these are not difficult to, these are things that you that you drill into your players in preseason every single week you're drilling two minutes because every week you have to prepare slightly huh. different packages for what the defenses you face huh. so no. you are over you shouldn't this shouldn't be complicated and yet there's so many coaches who we have seen between time management and play calling, just are awful at this. One of my favorite things of all time, I do this in all parts of my life, and you've heard me say this before, I'm sure. Don't complicate winning. Don't complicate winning. I've been saying this shit for 25 years. I'm like, I don't mean just in football or sports. At any part of your life, don't complicate winning. Just win. Just do what you're doing. If you're good at something, keep fucking doing it. Here's where it almost cost somebody yesterday. I'm going to pull this up. Does this happen in the Chiefs game? Where is it at? I think this is the one. No, that's not the one. Hang on here. I'm sorry. Bear with me here. God, there was one of the possessions where the Bengals are inside the five. And all they have to do is push into the end zone. Now it's fourth down. It was this possession. I'm almost sure. That's not right. Oh, shut up, guy. I got to find this because this is bothering me now. Start playing that Jeopardy theme song here pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, it's just great when you gotta work. Okay, it's not I can't find it right now, but the the Bengals are inside the five, and it was the play where one of the Chiefs D linemen jumps the gap and just swallows the back who's coming across from the jet sweep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it absolutely swallows him up. And it's like, why are you complicating with me? We don't have to run something pretty. We just need to run it into the end zone. 
What we really need to do is we need to fucking go up there and kick a field goal. That's what drives me crazy. That is kind of the possession right there. It was one of the possessions that they had to field goal. Yeah, that wasn't there to do. All right. It is not important. Not important. I, I, I get your is, point. Yeah, the point is I'm trying to make is look, don't complicate these things. Look, it I get the analytics, I understand, but look, it comes down to there's just smart ways of playing this game. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing when you're trying to run a two-minute drill. And the other thing I saw, I think it was two or three of these different college games this week, where god damn, I mean they get the ball and literally come out and deep pass, deep pass, deep pass to all three incomplete. They got kicked, they got to play a punt. And I'm just sitting there going, what the fuck are you guys doing? And these are in championship games. I'm just unbelievable. I don't understand that either, especially when the template for winning has been shown again and again and again. If you're at the end and you're throwing three deeps, you're going three and out. It, that's not going to work because that's you. You you are basically letting the defense know that hey, we're going to go deep. Go ahead and try and cover us. We're we're shooting for a penalty. We're either going for the big. We're going for the big bomb, or we're hoping you you cause a penalty. All you have yeah. to do is play good defense. Yeah, good I mean, defense. it's just yeah. It, it was ridiculous. But one of them was the LSU game, the LSU Georgia game. This was I'm pulling this up now. This was in the. Second quarter, right before the half. Make sure I'm right here. Yeah. Right before the half, LSU gets the ball back after a Georgia punt. And at the time, they're down 35 to 17. Georgia just poured it on them, right? I don't know if you saw this game. Georgia gets the ball at 17. They throw a play for – this is when Nussmeier came in. Yeah, no, that's not the right one. Yeah. They throw a complete pass for nine yards, then it's pass incomplete, pass incomplete, pass incomplete. Huh. And it's like, what are you doing? You've got – you're down three scores. Get the first first down. Get the second first down. It's real simple. I'm not a. I'm, I'm a pretty good offensive play call. I, I think I'm really good, actually. If I know who I'm playing against, I've had time to study it. But I'm sitting there going, look, every two, and maybe I'm predictable in this way, but I will tell you that if you're going to sit back and cover three and cover four against me in a two minute drill, I'm just going to keep getting first downs because I can control the clock, and as long as I don't reach a third and long, I got you. I agree. I agree. I, we have talked about this in the past. Uh, it's probably been a while since we talked about it. Where teams will go in, you know, they're, they're trying to protect their lead with two minutes to go, and they're up by like seven. So they go into prevent. They do something stupid. And what do they do? You tear them apart with the five to ten yard dumps. You keep getting first downs all march down the field. Now you don't have enough room to play prevent, and I own you. I never understood that concept. because. Yeah. Yes, you have to march, but if you're going to throw them, all all you're doing is throwing 30 yards, 40 yards down, trying to get the big game. Well, I'm already prepared for for that. All I got to do is play good defense. 
So if you're going to tear me up, if you're going to leave the field there and let me tear you up 10 yards at a time and control the clock, I'm going to do it yeah. until you stop. Yeah. yeah. When you are playing prevent, I am not going to throw prevent. I'm going to chew you up 10 yards at a time. When you come up and play me for real, then I'll throw the deep ball. But there's no point in doing it until you do. Yeah. And I'll just keep chewing you up, chewing not- you up. And Brady, as you said, Brady's king of that. He shows it every single time. It's not a secret. Yeah. The two things I would do against Tom Brady in the two-minute drill. One, I would never blitz. I would I would send Don't three, maybe four, because he gets the ball if his hands too fast. He's too fast. He's too good at it. You're not going to get there on a blitz. Yeah. You're just not. The only chance you have is if you've got a really good defensive end who's just beats a guy. And that's fine. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop seven and send four. And I have two up the middle. I'm going to tell my big guys up front, get your fucking hands up. That's going to help. It happened in one of the possessions, one of those incomplete passes was Cam Jordan getting his big fucking mid up. So I'm going to tell my guys, look, we're not going to blitz. You front four, got to go get it. Get your hands up if you're not going to get there. And don't make any stupid contact. But I'm not going to blitz him. And I'm not going to put anybody in man coverage deep. I'm playing cover two. I'm playing cover two. And I'm going to put five guys in the middle. And I'm going to say, you've got to beat me in here, Tom. You've got to beat me at eight to 15 yards. And if you can, then God bless you. But his arm's not good enough now. And And it's not just Tom Brady. It's pretty much every quarterback in this league that I'm going to drop two, I'm going to bring four, I'm going to set five in the middle, and I'm going to say, you got to find the open guy. And if you can't, then eventually my front four is going to get to you. I don't care if you're Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. I'm eventually going to play good enough. I'm going to play good enough defense. I'm going to force you into a mistake. But I'm not letting you get a big play. I'm not letting you get a big play. And I'm going to take away the intermediate route. You can nickel and dime. This is why Tom is so good about it. Yeah, Yeah. this is why Tom Grady is so good at this. Because he will nickel and dime you that. But I will not let you throw a ball deep on me. But I'm not going to put four back. I'm going to bring five in the middle. And I'm going to have cover two. My best two cut. My best two safeties. My best two guys who can feel who can who are ball hawks. I'm going to say, I, I want you guys to that fight. If this ball comes deep, you motherfuckers better be on it. Give me two punt returners and put them back there. And here's why I, I, I completely agree with that, because it really tests the quarterback to go through all of their pro- progressions. Yep. If, you're, if you've got, and you see this with the, the inexperienced quarterbacks, the younger quarterbacks, when they get in those situations, especially in like two-minute drill, they don't go through their full progression. They get to the one or two. They feel the pressure. You know, they feel they feel that on their back. Like I, I got to move. I got to get this out. And they'll they'll run out or they'll toss it. They won't get through the rep, their full progression. We see it all the time where they're looking right. They're starting to work. They get to midfield and they toss it. And the guys in the left corner alone, if he had gone through his full progression, he's got six. But the younger guys and the inexperienced guys, they don't go through their full progressions. They panic. After they have one and two, there's like, it's been too long. I've got to throw the ball. The yeah, smarter it, guys, the experienced guys, the Tom Brady's of this league will go for their full progressions, and they will find the open man if you leave yeah. one open. 
You've got to cover yeah. everybody, and I agree with your I'm philosophy just, on that. I'm just going to say, hey, I'm going to drop two. I'm going to put five in the middle of the field. I'm going to make it really hard for you to throw intermediate passes. And if you want to go deep, that's fine. But we know that the odds of you completing that aren't very good in my two best ball hawks back there. And then if you want to check it down, fine. Keep checking. we got five guys tackling. You're not going to turn a six-yard pass into a 14-yard game. I mean, that's no. – yeah, you know, yeah, the, it, it's what teams actually rely on. And this happened. I'm watching the Jets Vikings on Sunday. The Vikings relied on this. It's you've heard the term bend, but don't break. You know, it's yeah, yeah we're going to play back. We're going to play cover three or cover four with four guys back. And we're just not much in the end zone. And you hope that by the field getting shorter and shorter and shorter, you've got more defenders defending. Less less field. That's, I'm telling you, that. that's the I've part I've got the back about the prevent. I hate it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to defend the back with two guys, and I'm going to make it hard for you to to chuck up yards. Because the way, and if I'm the offensive play caller, hey, I see you're covered three or cover four. Boy, I'm throwing screen passes at you. I'm throwing anything. I'm throwing mesh. I'm throwing anything I can throw in the middle of the field. Or, or between the hashes, or even the hash and the boundary to, to get out of bounds. Just if it's eight yards a clip, so I'm going to bust an eight-yarder into a 15-yard. I'm going to bust a six-yarder into a 12-yarder at some point. I'm going to keep getting first downs. You're not putting me in third down. I'm going to make you blitz. And then when you decide, when you put seven at the line of scrimmage or six at the line of scrimmage, and you're coming after me, I'm running the fucking, I'm running the fucking screen pass. I'm checking to a screen pass. I'm going to have a wide receiver screen. I'm going to get it out to my first guy off the line of scrimmage, and he's gone. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with any of it. Oh, man, I, I am deadly in the two-minute drills. Look, it's a play call. You don't fuck. <laughs> but, I mean, again, I'm just going to take what you give me, and then I'm going to make you do something that you don't want to do. I mean, that's and what I get upset about is the the coaches that they 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 two minute drill. They just go, well, we got to throw it deep. We got to throw it deep. No, you don't. Mate, get the first first down. Get the first first down. I mean, I got to where my wife now knows. Jen knows. We're sitting there tonight. I said, what do they got to do? Jen says, get the first first down. Get the first first down. And then get the second first down. You really want to fuck with them? Get the second first down. And like Brady did, run four plays in 20 seconds and never get the third down. Man, you you can't beat him. And and I get it. He's Tom Brady and nobody else is. But that doesn't change the coaching or the preparedness. Prepare. Prepare for it. You got to talk about it all. It's not that hard. So those are the two things coaching-wise this weekend. I was just livid watching. I was livid watching coaches playing the analytics wrong, what I think was wrong. And then I was livid watching coaches, especially the college coaches, who do not know how to run a fucking two-minute drill. Oh, I almost lost my shit on a couple of these games. Uh, one we, of them I was we, happy because it was like two-line game. We make it, they make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. Well, one of them was the Tulane-UCF game. 
Tulane was ahead on UCF, and UCF two possessions in a row went three and out on two-minute drills and had to punt twice just so far back. And it was because Gus Malzahn was just trying to throw the ball down the field. Like, you can't do that. And especially in his offense where you can – they do a lot of trickery. Like, dude, if I ran your offense, a lot of the read option stuff, I would love to have that shit in my two-minute drill. I need a first Absolutely. down. I need a second first down. If I can do that, I'm getting back in the game. You're giving me an RPO when I need to get five, six yards yeah. to a sideline? That's and, ideal. And don't be afraid to run the football. The, the two plays, the two plays that won the game for the Bucs, when it's all said and done, well, three, one's the big penalty. The big penalty, they'd already crossed midfield. They got the big penalty. That helped them on the first possession. But on the second mm-hmm. possession, it was the run to Fournette on second and one, where they got 10 yards, and then another second and two, where you throw the back a pass. And I remember the play. He's in as a blocker initially, releases in the middle of the field. He's wide open. You throw him the ball. He runs from a six-yard gain to a 15-yard gain. And what does that do? That brings your defense up, and then you can open up Mike Evans finally. You got to be aware. And it's just, it amazes me because he's. I completely agree. Especially in the NFL. Especially in the NFL. If you remember a few weeks ago, we went off about it was the, I believe it was the first time Tennessee had started Malik Willis. They were in a two minute drill overtime, and they put Derrick Henry on the sideline. They had yes. timeouts and they had time on the clock and they put Derrick Henry on the sideline for three straight plays. Yes, great example. Just no, great. Yeah, it's a great example. And then what's happening is your these teams are forcing the other team to make a mistake instead of trying to win it. Instead of saying, okay, I'm if I'm going to force you into a mistake, I'm going to force you into a mistake that I want you to make. No, there's a there's a, a an attitude problem in that you have to be an aggressor. If you yeah. are pl- if you are not playing the aggressor, I don't care if you have been on your heels the whole game. If you're not walking your two minute drill as I'm a bull, I got to go through you, and here's how I'm going to do it. If you don't have that game plan already set before the kick, before the first kickoff, you're already in trouble if that situation comes up. There's yeah. no reason for it. There are certain philosophies. You and I agree on the philosophy of a two minute drill. Yeah. There's there's nothing I disagree with on any of that. Uh, and we've seen it time and time again where they don't do that and it blows up in their face. It's Shut frustrating. Up. When people who should know better are trying to get cute and aren't are, and are failing at it because they know better. Because everybody knows better. Because the two-minute drill isn't new. It's been yeah. around since the beginning of the game. And you should already know what you're doing there by the time you get on the field. Hey, I want to finish up a couple things, and I'm going to get out of here. We're going to get out of here soon. So I want to ask a couple questions. I know that you don't watch much college football, but you live in the Denver area. See, you got a new coach. coach There was was, uh, back and forth whether he should do that, whether he shouldn't do that, whether it would happen. I'm happy. I'm happy because it shakes things up a little bit. I'm happy for him to join a power conference. Uh, I would understand it if he stayed. I wouldn't have blamed him one second. 
uh, for any of it, for any, whatever reason he gave, but I'm glad to see him as, as the player that he was succeeding at the coaching levels and working his way through uh, the college ranks. I think he fits really well here. I don't. And the funny thing is, is that I'm really glad he's in college and not in the pros. Yeah. I really like him as a coach in college. Yeah. I don't know that he'd be a great NFL coach. I don't think that that's just the way it would work. I, it, it's twofold for me. One, I like, I love the fact that Deion Sanders, primetime, has shedded some of that swagger. Not, and I don't mean that he has not shedded all his swagger. He certainly has plenty of it. But he, the, the looseness in which he, you know, the trash talking, you know, a lot of people didn't like him as a player because he talked a lot of trash. You know, he, yeah, beat, he was with the 49ers. He goes back to Atlanta and he beat the Falcons. He goes, this is my house. I built this place. You know, that kind of stuff. But what I like is that players relate to him. He's likable. He knows how to coach. And he genuinely seems to care for these kids. Now, what I've noticed also is, you know, he had a it's prime academy you know, which ended up having a whole lot of issues on the academic side, uh, which was not his doing. It was more of the academic people um, yeah. when he was in Dallas and lived there. And But he has been a capable coach. And when he got this Jackson State job, um, he took a program that Jackson State was known. I mean, they were an H- H- um, HBCU. And the thing if you knew about Jackson State football was that they had the most famous alumnus was Walter Payton. Yeah. That's really what people all knew. This guy comes in to Jackson State in Jackson, Mississippi. Have you ever been to Jackson, Mississippi? No. Let's just say it's not easy to recruit Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. I live in Lawrence, <laughs> I realize I live in Lawrence, Kansas, but I've been to Jackson, Mississippi. There is not a lot of glitz and glamour to bring an 18-year-old kid to in Jackson, Mississippi. And he Mm -hmm. went and got a couple of five-star recruits and a couple of four-star recruits to not just not go to big Division I programs, but to come to his program at Jackson State because of who he is. And they were really good. And they're undefeated. Um, They won the SWAT conference. They're about to play the bowl game. He's going to coach the bowl game, which is really cool. And then he's going to Colorado. Uh, he had three different job offers. Me and Ellen talked about it in the point five. He had three different job offers. He could take any one he wanted. I was thinking he was going to go to South Florida, but the Colorado job, when I heard that they were really serious about putting money into this program, what they're thinking about doing, they you know, they're giving him, they're giving him $5 million a year, and they're giving him $4 million a year for his coaching staff. And he already made one big hire. He hired Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart's the former Florida State coach who was at mm-hmm. Oregon before that, a fantastic college coach and a fantastic recruiter. That's going to be a big one. Um, he, I love that he's been honest. Look, he's come out and said, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do something eventually. And then – I don't know if you saw the viral video. If you haven't, I'll share. I think I got. I think I shared it on Twitter already on the Coach Budo's Twitter. But Dion's mm-hmm. talking to the Colorado players Sunday night, and he says, I have "He not encouraged seen that. I'm going to go check it out." 
he he encouraged them to go into the, the portal, to go into the transfer portal. He says, look, y'all done it a certain way here for the last 20 years, and that way ain't acceptable. He says, his words were, I'm bringing my own luggage, and it's Louis. You know, short for Louis Vuitton. <laughs> I'm bringing, he says, I got 10 guys coming already, and they're dogs. And if that's not what you think you can play with, I encourage you to go to the portal. And the transfer they, portal opened today. There's an honesty to that. What's that? Yeah, there's an honesty to that. There's yeah. an honesty to that. Yeah. But I and really you know, appreciate As we're talking now, I wish I could see the, the total number. But today, yeah, let me see here. Yeah. So today, Monday, the transfer portal officially opened. And all hell has broken loose in college football. Every person who was not happy with where they're at is now in the portal. Clemson's starting quarterback is leaving. The one that got benched in the championship game, he's leaving. Um, For the first time, five players from Alabama are leaving. (laughs) Alabama is leaving people (laughs) in the transfer portal. Well, in fairness, you know. They got bounced out. Offensive lineman Tony Brackmeyer, who was the number two overall recruit in the country in 2021, has entered the portal from Alabama. Um, we're going to see all sorts of players in this thing. Let me see here. I mean, oh, my this God. This is part of why I just can't. I can't follow college. It's too much. It's just too much for me. A whole bunch and of Texas I don't have any one team. Yeah, Texas A&M has lost a shitload of players in that top recruiting class they had a year ago. Um, basically, it's and I don't want to say this is a is a is a across the board thing, but a lot of players who maybe a team recruited two guys, maybe two quarterbacks or two running backs, and the one who doesn't yeah. win goes in the portal. You know, yeah. Or and the reason I like the portal, I like the idea of you know a, a young man signs the school. Let's say, for instance, a young man signs at Kansas. Kansas is where I'm at. A young man signs at Kansas for less miles a couple of years ago. Lance Leipold comes in as the new coach, and maybe he doesn't use players the same way in his offense or his defense. And that player's saying, you know, I think I either have a shot at playing at the next level, or I think I could be in a better situation. And had that been the coach here before, I wouldn't have come here. The players should have that. That's, and see, that's kind of the thing. That's the thing. It's, this isn't the pros. So you don't get, you do, you should have a say. If I were a student, as a student, I can choose where I want to go to school if I'm good enough, yeah. if I'm smart enough. And if I, don't, if I go to Harvard and I don't like Harvard and I can get to another school that'll accept me, I'll just leave. It makes sense in college. In the pros, you don't get to do this. You get hired for a job. Your boss is who your boss is. And it's the uppers who decide. But in the college ranks, that's not necessarily the case, not for any students. So it shouldn't be any different for student athletes. I got recruited to come here by a coach that no longer is here. It makes sense to allow them the freedom to move. Yeah. Um, You got something. I didn't realize this. I just read this on ESPN.com. This is a local kid, Graham Mertz, who's from Kansas City. He was like the player of the year in Kansas City a couple of years ago. 
Um, he's been the starting quarterback at Wisconsin for the last three years. He has entered the portal. <laughs> oh, he's going somewhere good. He's a good quarterback. But they have, again, new coach. New coach may not like him. And it may not work for Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz got a chance to play in the NFL. So you need to go somewhere where you might get a little bit better. I would not be shocked if Graham Mertz ended up in Colorado. Um, yeah, I mean, it's – let's see. Vanderbilt's leading rusher has gone in the portal. Um, I find it funny that Clem – and it, what you will see with some of these teams now, some of these teams, the coaches are pushing players to the portal. What Clemson just did with their quarterback, they pushed him to the portal. They weren't going to play him. They were going to send him. He was a five-star recruit. He was a huge recruit. He's just not playing well enough. And so Dabo, I think, pushed him toward that. And he's going to be fine. He's yeah, going to go happen. somewhere. He's going to go somewhere good. And he's going to be a starting quarterback somewhere. But yeah. it's funny in the Clemson thing because Dabo Sweeney talks about how much he hates the portal. He didn't take any players out of the portal last year. Watch, he's going to do some shit yeah. this year. He's going to take somebody this year. And when he gets called with bullshit, he's going to be like, well, that was different that year. And fuck Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, fuck no. You're either part of the system or the system will burn you. It, yeah. This isn't an option for him. That's the way of the game right now. And if he doesn't want to play ball, he's going to end up out of a job, honestly. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, five. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Because here's the other thing about that is I don't believe the portal is going to take any players. At some point, you have to answer to your AD. You have to answer to the student body. Why didn't you go get these better players that were available, who were all, who wanted to come here, and you why, why weren't you doing this? Why weren't we making ourselves better? No, no, no. You didn't get hired here as a coach to also be a professor. They ain't high school. This is your job. So it's to get players here, get them to and win games, get them to do it. So if you can get better talent through the portal, why aren't you doing it? Yeah, that's it's, the, it's not that I don't, you don't have to like it, but that's the job now. Yeah. And some players have played their way into a better situation. You know, the, the, the famous one on this was Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was, you know, a guy who was played at NC State, had an extra year of eligibility because he was a grad, and he went to Wisconsin for uh-huh. a year. You know, we're seeing that now with Devin Leary, quarterback from NC State. Um, he's, he's leaving NC State. He's got a year of eligibility left. Some of these guys have got an extra year of eligibility also because of the COVID year the extra eligibility and what can happen there. And if they went to the JUCO for a year, they can get a sixth year. Um, it's crazy, but I, I'm looking at this article. There's an article. And some of that, some of that actually played into, some of that played into the draft this year when we saw such a weak quarterback draft. They guys yeah. that were supposed that should have come out that didn't. Yeah. That's why next year looks so good. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, some of these bigger names that are in the portal. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State is a fifth-year senior. This is a guy who was Big 12 freshman of the year. It's a running back. And now he's going to the portal. He's going to a big school. He's going to go be in a big school. He's going to get – he's not going to be starting court running back. But he'll be in a committee somewhere, and he'll have a chance to win. If he ain't going to win in Oklahoma State. And that long-haired son of a bitch, uh, that guy, I, I know he cut his mouth. He's still fucking him. He's one of those guys that know how a fucking two-minute drill works. 
Oklahoma State's coach, uh, Mike Gundy. <laughs> OAN, watching ass. Um, I wanted to ask you about. I wanted to ask about the Coach Prime thing. I wanted to, and the portal thing kind of popped up. Um, the other question I had for you, you know, I know that you're the real reason that Sierra moved to Denver, not Russell Wilson. But did you get invited to Russell Wilson's birthday party? You know, I haven't checked my mail since I got back, so maybe. I missed the invitation. I, I wouldn't go. Well, you know, Sierra had a big birthday party for Russ last week, and only about half his Aww. teammates showed up. Aww. Now, here's my thing. We were Ellen and I were talking about this in point five. If you're a teammate of the Denver Broncos or Russell Wilson, even if you don't like Russell Wilson, don't you have to go to his birthday party? One, he's your quarterback. Two, he's married to Sierra. You got to go meet Sierra, don't you? I don't know. What are my other plans? All right. I'm going to say it like this. If you're, <laughs> if you're Bo and you got a wife and you know she likes Sierra, don't you have to go to the fucking party and take your wife so she can meet this huge pop star? Oh, yes. Yes. You have to go. Now, in your case, I know y'all trying to keep that shit on the down low. I totally get it. You know, we know who Russ is. There's <laughs> a reason that, you know, Look, you have that, that best-selling book. It's on Amazon. Check it out. Our Arthur, you know, the, the, the noted best times best-selling author, Ricardo Gerbilini. Russ may cook, but I can eat. A uh, last thing I want to jump in real quick, and this is just a, we know all your appearances. Uh, we appreciate Stitch Fix. It's one sponsoring you to come in this week, as always. If you're the holidays are a great time. I just got my Stitch Fix box just on Saturday and it was filled with stuff I actually needed, which is kind of cool. Um, but if you haven't tried Stitch Fix yet, try it out. It's a great way to get your clothes, to get some new stuff, especially if you're a dude and you hate shopping. I fucking hate shopping, but I need to mix some shit up. Check out Stitch Fix. There's a link in our show notes. You're going to save 25 bucks. And I know there's competitors out there. We used to talk about one here on this podcast. But this was a lot cheaper, and I think the quality of clothes is better, too. So give that a shout. We appreciate Stitch Fix for sponsoring the podcast and for sponsoring Uncle Rico for coming in and doing that today. So, Uncle Rico, any uh, formal last thoughts before we get up out of here today? Got to pour one out for Jimmy G. Pour one out for Jimmy G. I got to pour one out for Jimmy G. Because... Very likely he he will no longer be playing as a 49er, which I think is a mistake. Big fucking mistake. Um and who knows where he'll be after this, but this is this was this breaks my heart. I have something I have something I just just for this I want I need to say it. I need to say it Go ahead. because the floor is yours. It's it's the one thing that it just drives me nuts. So as much crap as he gets. This, this is for, for legit. It was on ESPN this morning. With Jimmy G since 2017, it's five years. They're 38 and 17. Without him, any other quarterback, they are 9 and 29 over the same span. I feel really bad for Jimmy G, and I, I honestly feel bad for the 49ers because he gave them their best chance by far. Understand, so with Jimmy G, they win 69% of the time. Without him, they don't win a quarter of their games without him. 
I got to pour one out for Jimmy G. I'm I'm just broken up about it. So well, I will tell you what my thought week. was, and I'm not going to be insulting here. Well, kind of. I heard Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Now, look, I don't want to see any player get hurt. You know me. I do not like college and NFL players getting hurt. That's their livelihoods. And I don't like seeing that happen, especially someone in Jimmy Garoppolo's situation where he doesn't have a contract pass this year. So that really sucks. He doesn't. But my initial thought when I heard Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, it might be out for the season. I went, wow. The 49ers are going to play with Brock Purdy, a quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback at Iowa State, and um, their offense might be better with Brock Purdy, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. What's Marcus Mariota doing? Oh, oh man, yeah. Did you see That's, Baker Mayfield got, got released today as well? Yeah, there's a lot of speculation around what's yeah, going to happen. There. I, I don't they, see look, the 49ers, 49ers have to get some. To him. I don't think. The I don't think. That, I Raiders think it's a disruption. I agree. I think it's a disruption to the locker room. I, as much as I, use, they really should do it, I don't expect them to, and I don't think that's a bad decision. But they do need another quarterback because they just, they're just they down to their third stringer, and they don't have anyone else. Yeah, They need a quarterback yeah. now. Yeah. The problem is, is that if you're not taking Baker Mayfield, and I understand completely why, and it's not a knock on whether you need him or not, who do you get? Who's out there that you can grab? They did have a signing today. I want to make sure I get the name right. Yeah, please they do, because I, I was just about to look. Oh, and I don't see it now, the transactions. Here we go, transactions. Uh, they signed Josh Johnson off the Denver practice squad. Okay. So. Oh, um, yeah, there it is. Okay, yeah, got it. Yep. Yeah. I mean. So, Josh Johnson dig- will be the backup. They're digging Brock deep. Purdy. Well, think about it. In yeah. Brian Purdy's case, he's been there all season. He's been there through all of mini camp, rookie mini camp, training camp. So while he hasn't gotten all the reps, he's been there. He, he knows all your terminology. He knows what's expected of him. And he's not a terrible player. Like he's not a franchise quarterback. No, but he's no. I was encouraged player. by what I saw. Player. He was a good solid player. I was, yeah, I was encouraged by what I saw. You, you got. I mean, Jimmy G went out in the first quarter. And you still he was a, he. He was enough to take this rest of the team and beat Miami. That's not a small yeah. thing to do. Jimmy's going not... down the first series. See, if Garoppolo had played, then my pick of Miami to win that game would have gone through. But, he, but they still won. This is a team before, where – That's why I went for said, I've said it before. Yeah, I've said it before. He doesn't have to be the star. He just has to not lose the game. He can't fuck it up. And that's something Garoppolo does really well. He's only thrown four interceptions on the year. Yeah. I agree with you. There are people people can't go two weeks of throwing four four interceptions that are starters right now. He's thrown four in the year. He's not. He doesn't make those mistakes, and that's what makes him important. If Brock Purdy can come in and basically not make mistakes, they'll still go to the playoffs, and they'll still probably yeah. go deep in the playoffs. They're still going to win the West. Doesn't make mistakes. They're going to win the West. Yeah. Yeah. They're still in the yep. West. They're eight and four now. This is a different Just team than they were. Don't when make they were mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, you were talking about the wide receiver package out there. You were talking about the wide receiver package. I was I went straight to the 49ers. You got Ayuk, you got Debo Samuel, you got Jennings. What well, pretty good wide receiver package and Kittle. And you got CMC. I mean, I think team. if I had to go with the third roster. And the 
the number one defense in the by yards, by points per game. San Francisco is the the top defense in the league. Period. So, just don't turn the ball over. Keep protect it. Get get the ball to your hands. Get it out of you. That's all you got to do. With this team, that's all you got to do. Well, I get. I don't think it's a huge drop off for the 49ers going to Brock Purdy. I don't. I think it's to be fine. I think be fine. He, unless he's he doesn't like have, famous and he goes thirty for thirty, but he's not going to. He'll he's be just fine. Not, that's not who, they, and he's that's not who that. they are as a team, and they wouldn't ask him to do that. They're not going to ask exactly. him to sit back and throw the ball like that. Yeah. Then that's why they they're cannot. Gonna, they're going to play. Him. They're going to. They're just going to. Sh- they're going to shave and, and and shape a little bit to what his game is, and they'll probably go with the same plan otherwise. Yeah, it Let's works. look at the 49ers schedule from the way out here. So they've got Tampa this week at Seattle, Washington, at Vegas, and then a home game with Arizona to finish it up. That's not an easy schedule. No, but it's a doable schedule. Yeah, and at least the Tampa game is at, at home. So you've got Tampa coming across country after playing the Monday night games. That's tough. At Seattle, that's the Thursday game next week. That's going to be a tough. That's going to be a fight. Seattle's not bad. That's going to be a fight. Well, Seattle's playing well. Yeah. yeah. And then Christmas Eve, you're playing Washington. That's the Commandos going across country. We talked about we talked about Rivera earlier. We he's done a good job. Again, it's not an easy game. At Vegas. They're going to have a big crowd. They're going to have a lot of 49er fans. That's going to be that's huge. The, crazy. That's going to be, that's going to be crowd, huge. Yeah. That's on January the 1st. That's going to be a madhouse. And you already Imagine know people New bought Year's their Vegas Day tickets. Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah. yeah a lot of 49ers you know, fans there are a money. bunch of San Franciscans. They bought their Southwest $90 ticket. You know, their $60 one ways at the start of the season because they saw this game yeah. in Vegas. So it's going to be packed. You know what? We'll get to that. Go ask this and say, and they finish up with Arizona at home. They should win that. So, I mean, it's not a give me, but it's, I mean, it's a tough games. Uh, they don't play a great, great defense. Washington's probably the best defense out of those five. So, I mean, they got to be, they're going to be the favorite in all five games. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the Vegas thing, I was thinking about this. So you brought that up and, you know, people are doing that now. They're seeing, the Vegas schedule, and they're saying, okay, well, when's my team play there? You know, I know I know yeah. somebody here in Kansas City who had Chiefs season tickets, canceled his Chiefs season tickets because instead he, you could pick up a ticket of a buddy here and there, and instead he got, like, really, really upgraded seats in Vegas, and he's just going to travel to that game every year because they're the same division. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. So, but what I noticed, and I, I, I knew that in the beginning, the Vegas crowd would be just as many fans for the opposing team as it would be for themselves. But I went to a Vegas Knights game, Golden Knights game, about three years ago, right before, right before COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a couple months before COVID. And this was on not Christmas Eve, but the day before Christmas Eve. So a lot of people in town, and we were there for a couple of days, and me and Peyton went to the Vegas game. 
Um, mm-hmm. That crowd is pro Vegas. They are locals. The last few weeks, I've noticed that that crowd is becoming less the road team and more the Raiders. I think eventually yeah. we are going to see that crowd. I don't think it's going to be overwhelmingly, but because people are going to use that as an example of a time of saying, oh man, let's go see our team in Vegas. That's still going to happen. But that crowd's not going to be 60 40. It's going to start turning to 80 20 sooner than later, I feel. Yeah. And, and those locals get in there and Raider Nation shows up. Man, you don't want to mess with Raider Nation. I, I'm that that's that's not my crew, but I, I respect the game. <laughs> They're just a little crazy. Mm-hmm. They, and they always have been. That's not that's nothing new. You go back to John Madden, you can see the crowds then too. Yeah. They're just a little different. Yeah. I give you my best example of Raider Nation is I was at a Chiefs Raiders game. God, it's gonna be 15 years ago. And I'm there with a bunch of friends, and we're tailgating the game. And I start seeing people coming toward the stadium. We're probably a third of the way between the stadium and the exits, like where you come in at Arrowhead, the parking lot. And you start uh-huh. seeing this crowd coming. And it's more and more people wearing black and silver. And you start seeing them converge together. You know, it started, I saw like 100 people. Then I saw a couple hundred people. Then I saw, by the time they got near where we were, there might have been a thousand of them. And I'm like, holy shit. They come together. Mm-hmm. Like they, Raider Nation, these motherfuckers are for real. I not, I hats off to Raider Nation. And I'm telling you, they're going to turn that around into being in a home field advantage at some point. I think sooner than later. I got to check out a game, man. All right. Oh yeah. I'm sorry about your boy Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know I. I don't know. Maybe you need to send him a uh, you know get well card. <laughs> I you know if you were like a little kid like this is why I wish you had you had a son is that you'd have like a little son little 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 Rico could be sitting there and he'd be drawing out a card. Get well soon, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I had, it, it hurts. It hurts. Hey, hey, if Burrow went down tomorrow, don't even tell me. Oh, oh, look, look, if Joe Burrow got hurt tomorrow, you know I'd be heartbroken. You know, I'd be. I like to. I like to. I like a lot of the quarterbacks, but there's just, especially with you and me, Jimmy G. I, it breaks my heart. And Jimmy G thing between you and I, and like, and you give me grief on my liking of Mariota because I like Marcus Mariota. But, uh, but you, I mean, we all know my favorite quarterback is Joe Burrow, the LSU connection there and everything. So, yeah, I just can't wait because I'm going to my BNI meeting on Tuesday, and I'm wearing my Joe Burrow jersey to my BNI meeting just to troll the Chiefs fans. <laughs> I've been I've been very very sympathetic to these Chiefs fans for a couple of years now, and it's because I really think highly of Mahomes. I do. I think really highly of him. I get it. I do get it. And I think highly of Kelsey. And I like what they're, they're doing things the right way. My biggest complaint 
in all the years that I lived here in Kansas, my biggest complaint was always back in the day when the Chiefs fans didn't realize they were getting fucked by their own manager. They weren't really trying to win. They were just trying to sell tickets. Oh, I know. A lot oh, yeah. like my fucking New Orleans Saints are doing right now. And I'm sitting here considering. <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you now, if Mr. Benson were still alive, if Tom Benson was still alive, there is no way this shit would be happening. But now his second wife is the one in charge. And she don't give a fuck. As long as she's getting money, yeah. she don't give a fuck what happens. She's like she's like the she's like the owner from fucking Major League. If she could find someone to take this team, she fucking would. If she could find someone to move this motherfucker to fucking Portland or San Antonio or or fucking Orlando and give her a billion dollars or two billion dollars, she'd fucking do it. I just had the worst mental image. The stand-up cutout. Well, you can't do that with Gil Benson. She's like, she's like in her 70s, bro. All right, next week. What's going on? All right. Let's just let's preview next week's games real quick here. I know I said once we're going to get out of here soon, but we're going to do this real quick. Uh, because we got a couple good games coming up. All right, coming up, week 14, Thursday night's game. Man, the Amazon people cannot catch a fucking break. Raiders they had, a, they had one good, There are a couple that were good. This one's all. Yeah. But they thought Raiders-Rams was going to be a good matchup. They did. Because we thought the Rams were going to be at good. At the beginning of the year. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, this was a great game. Because we thought everybody in the AFC West was going to be good. You and I knew and the truth. And he had the returning Super Bowl champions. Well, you and I knew the truth on Vegas. You can't trust Derek Carr. And the Rams, even I didn't see this collapse coming. So that one's I'm not, I don't know. Well, I'm sure I'll glance at it. Um, Sunday's games, we got Jets at Buffalo. That would be a decent game. That should be a good game. Cincinnati. Now, I want to say that the Bengals will just run away with this, but the Browns won game one against the, against the Bengals. This one I can pretty much bet a mortgage class. on who's going to win this game. The Texans at the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Um. Let's talk I'm about. Curious, I, I am looking forward to seeing what the spread will be at the start of the game. Let's talk about the Texans situation next week. I have thoughts. Okay. Uh, Vikings at Detroit. That's giving me a little bit of a, this one. Hmm, I mm-hmm. got a little bit of Mister mm-hmm. Dr. Evil on that one. Uh, the Vikings play really good. I know who I'm rooting for. They play. Yeah, I, I'm rooting for the Lions, boy. Jacksonville, and it's Tennessee. a home game for the Lions. It's at the Lions. Jacksonville, Tennessee. I mean, I don't know what to think about Jacksonville. Tennessee, if they run the ball, they're going to win. Uh, the Eagles it, at they, the Jets. It should be Tennessee, no question. That's going to be a divisional, divisional game. game. Divisional game. Divisional game. Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Now, Baltimore is not going to have Lamar Jackson, so we don't know how that game's going to go. Uh, the Chiefs are going to just. I don't even know what the term would be when they're going to do the Broncos. Steamroll. Uh, steamroll, prison rape. Um, I don't know. I, I can't think of anything that I could say that would be clean. I mean, there. it's going to be bad because that Broncos team is fucking terrible. 
And I know they're rivals. They're that doesn't mean shit this, this year. Uh, Tampa and San Francisco. If Tampa plays the way they've been playing over the last month, they will have no chance to get back in that game. The 49ers I'm interested only to see how – I only want to see how San Francisco plays. I want to see how, the, how the defense does. That's really my interest in the game. He's really good. Um, Carolina, Seattle, I don't really care. Miami and the Chargers, that game got flexed. So this is the funny thing. That game got flexed to Sunday night, and they kicked the Chiefs and Broncos out of Sunday night because the Broncos Uh suck. They're so awful. And I'll take it. Honestly, it is the better game. And because of the timing and and just regionally, I don't get to see a lot of Miami. So I got to see them yesterday. And I'm kind of looking forward to watching them again. I like yeah, it I really like seems the Dolphins will be like going wet. Now, the Dolphins are staying in California this week. They're not going back to Miami. They, you know, they, play, they play the 49ers in San Francisco. Yeah, because they were they're already there. Yeah. in California the whole, whole week. And they're going to play in Inglewood. Um, and then Monday night, you've got the Patriots at Cardinals. So we, what, I think the best game, is Minnesota-Detroit the most interesting game this week? I think of the game for us, especially. Yes. Yeah, I, I can see other people Dan not Campbell. caring so much about it. Yeah. We really like Dan. We both want like Dan Campbell. We want Detroit to to have success. And honestly, I don't mind if you know Minnesota losing a game isn't really going to to the to the Lions at this point isn't going to dampen their chances for playoffs. Are they trying to get to a number one seed? Yes. Are they going to get there before the the Eagles? No. So there's not. This is fine if they lose this game for my from from a from a standings perspective. So for me, this is a great game for Detroit. This is really one where, uh, you know, Minnesota's doing well this year, but they're beatable. They're beatable by this team. Yeah. It looks like we're not going to have any great games. I mean, that's, I don't know who the local game is here for Kansas city on the early games. I'll have to look. It looks like the nationwide games are Tampa and San Francisco is the Fox game of the week, and CBS's game of the week is Kansas City-Denver. So we'll get both of those here, and then we'll get one of the early games. So I don't know. I This might be a good week for me to go to a bar and watch the games. Honestly, with the early games, if there's – except for the Dallas game, which I have zero interest in because it's going to be a slacking, um, the other ones are – Recently, I, can, well, I do want to see the Detroit game, but if I got the Bengals against Deshaun Watson, I yeah. could enjoy watching that because yeah. I've never, I've, you know, it's been years since we've seen him play, and I'm curious what one week's worth of practice would be worth. But at the same time, I would really like to enjoy the Bengals stomp the shit out of him. Yeah. So, well, and at the same time, also, I, you know, I like watching Buffalo play, and the Jets are not a pushover. They could really, you know, they got their quarterback situation figured out finally. So this could be that one could be competitive. Either one of the any one of those games, I would prefer the Detroit game, um, but I'd I'd be all right with those for the, the early games. You mentioned Deshaun Watson in, the, in that little piece there. That first game, he was not good. Twelve of twenty-two, only one thirty-one and a pick, no touchdowns. The Browns won the I game. I would love it if that stays consistent. The Browns won the defense. game. Do you know that every. Touchdowns scored. The three touchdowns were all scored on special teams or, or defense. Yeah, 
Everything. All, return, all their points came. Yeah, none of it came from return, the offense. And, and, and a pick six. I don't know if you saw it. I only saw a glimpse of it. No, I, I didn't heard the audio on it. Deshaun Watson trying to shake the hand of uh, Mrs. McNair, the owner of the Texans pregame. Um, no, I hadn't heard. Yeah, so Bob McNair, the owner of the Texans, died last year. Early this oh. year, early in 2022 or late in 2021. His uh, widow is now the owner of the team, and she was on the field pregame. And at some point, her and Watson were near each other, and he walked over to her to shake her hand, and she turned her back to him. Did not acknowledge him, did not say hello, just turned her back and walked away. And that's honestly, I think, sums up the feelings of everybody in this entire situation. Yeah. Well, I think you look, I mean, he was their franchise player and he did all this bullshit. And yeah, it's it's crazy. So I just Yeah. All right. Well And I don't think and that's the problem. And and this is the stupidity. We we all lamented Cleveland for going and doing what they did to get him. But at the end of the day, any team that got him this was going to be the response. Yeah. I, I don't care well, who know, you are. I don't you know care where he, he went. You know, when this they did it to Sean Watson, when the league did his, they set up this whole thing for his suspension. Boy, you know, they picked this shit like this on purpose. They made it this week. He comes back. They happen to be playing the Texans, which I think that sucked for the NFL. But when you go look, no one's talking about it. And why is no one talking about it? Well, because we had Dallas on Sunday night, who even if you're not a Dallas fan, everybody talks about them. You had oh, yeah. that great Kansas City-Cincinnati game. Uh-huh. If you're a fan of the Packers or the Bears, if you're in Chicago, or if you're a Packers fan, they had that rivalry game this week. You know, you had the Eagles-Tennessee was one of those top two, top team kind of games. They fucking did this shit on purpose. They did 11 games on purpose because had it been 12 games, he came back next week. There wouldn't have been as much to avoid. There was a lot of storylines you could talk about last week. You can't talk about next week. I think who they're playing next week. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Oh, yeah, no, they wouldn't. Yeah. That's some nefarious shit right there. Yeah. Well, hey, Uncle Rico. But at the same time, they should have been him for the whole fucking year. So, I agree. Uncle Rico, thanks for coming in, Dale. I appreciate you. It's always fun. Thanks for being here for my big Saints rant, and then for you know chatting as we always do with the NFL action and everything going on. Um, I'm going to see you in a couple weeks. I'm coming out for a couple days. We'll talk offline about that, and we might have to do a podcast while I'm there. We'll see. We'll figure that out. Um, But yeah, so. We'll be back next week. Uh, you and I again. We'll probably record that Monday night as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm giggling oh, because originally we were going to do this last night, and I was at home going, "I don't want to go anywhere." But we decided we were going to do Sunday night because we knew I'd be in a rare in a rare mood after a Saints game. <laughs> and boy, were we right! But it made for a much better podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> Right. You feel better now, though. You got it out of you. I, I got it off me because if I hadn't got it off me, I would have driven to Louisiana. 
I told Jen as I was leaving, I said, baby, if I'm not back in the morning when you get up, because it's late, it's 1.30 now as we're finishing this up. But I told her, I said, if I'm not home when you get up in the morning, start a GoFundMe for Belmont. <laughs> she, she probably already has one set aside for just such there's a There's probably an envelope with some cash in there somewhere for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, yeah. It's, it's set of, there's an account less set aside likely. for Bo's bail money one day just for whatever reason is necessary. Yeah. Well, I think it's been less likely over the years, but tonight. Well, no, it's, it's only for football season. It's just, you know, while the Saints are playing. Once the Saints are done, once, once the season's over, she, it's, it's like she's got extra bonus money. She's got bonus money in the spring. She can just do it. So she gets that set up for a fall when football starts, and then in the spring, if she doesn't need it, boom, she's got a spot A. You know, she can take a trip, take the kid. You know, she can, you know, get a whatever, whatever. She needs a new racket or a purse or whatever. She, she's got a little bonus money there just for you not going to jail. Me not having to go to jail for killing Dennis Allen. I'm not going to kill Dennis Allen, but I will be very, very angry if this coaching staff is still there come February. Got a lot of problems with you people. And I'm going to tell you all about it. And my quoting of the great Frank Costanza. All right. Hey, let's get out of here. So uh, thank you, Uncle Rico, for coming in. I appreciate you, buddy. I'll see you soon. We'll chat next week. I want to send a shout out. Thanks to Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, all they do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. And don't forget to rate us. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, we appreciate every five-star review. So until Friday, uh, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. I'll be back with Ellen for the point five. Have a great week. Remember your time tokens are not in front of you. Take care, everybody.